I cannot tell you how abrasive the sticker mule ad I got after that was. <laughs> Welcome to season six, where we're phoning it in. You don't think critically and then put a Pop-Tart into your body. I am highly caffeinated and minorly concussed. Aruga, aruga! What came first, the love sack or the gravity gun? It's my turn to do a sin with Sonic. This is for the freaks. <laughs> Too much piss. That's the kind of bad decisions we like to hear about. Let me a sleepy ass bat. How much shrimp can you fit in your mortal body? You told me you guys would be cool. That's season six intro material right there. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how we are less than one month away from the release of Final Fantasy 16, the first mainline title from the franchise in seven years. And I don't know how I can ignore my responsibilities in life any less in order to play it, finish Tears of the Kingdom, and the new patch content of FF14. I, uh, I feel like I need to like... Just take off the next month of wor- worth of work. All right, Andrew. Um, here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, we're gonna you're gonna take out you're gonna get Jess to take out a big life insurance policy on you. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm and then we're yeah. gonna and then we're gonna fake your death. Okay. Yeah. And step three profit. profit? You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Seems like a solid plan. Then you then you take as much time off as you want. Hey, well, speaking of things that are nigh impossible, let's talk about the Soulsborne series for just one moment. So last year, I introduced our listeners and the three of you to the world of Dark Souls, a game which will forever hold a special place in my heart. Um, I think you guys genuinely got it. Um, it was, I think it was received like moderately well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was gothic horror. I don't look, yeah. man. I don't remember Yours. a single goddamn thing about the Dark Souls. I could not regurgitate a single fact from that. Um, I spent all day thinking, did we do a Dark Souls flavor text already? And I never bothered to look. So it I'm was, glad you told me. No, we, we, we did. did. There's a there was a guy who is in every Souls game who yeah. uh, patches, patches, patches. And then there's also uh, a two dragon with like man faces or just dragons that like. They're just they dragons. Weird name. They didn't have. There was well, there was one dragon called Seat the Scaleless, and he doesn't have scales, but he doesn't have a man face. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. No, patches. Patches is a spider in this. With he a man is. Face. We're gonna. Yes. Is that okay. what you're thinking of? Maybe. Well, we mentioned a little bit about one game in this franchise, but today we're gonna d- dive in on a game that I would trade in an instant without a second thought. Uh, <laughs> in Dark Souls place if I had to. And that game is Bloodborne. Isn't Bloodborne just Dark Souls? It's just another Dark Souls game, right? It is and it isn't, and we're going to get into it. Um, oh. from, before, from what I've gathered, it's it's the the Souls fans' like high watermark for it, the, for the it series. Is, it is the best Dark Souls game that exists. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, some people would tell you that that belongs to Elden Ring. I am not one of those people. I love Elden Ring, but, but I don't Those believe, people are dirty mm, casuals. But I believe those people are dirty <laughs> casuals. Now, before we continue on and I explain why I think so, I'd like to thank hashtag Nation's own moon president at Zachix for commissioning today's episode. For listeners out there, if there's a particular game, movie, TV series, or whatever that you've always been cons- interesting in consuming, but just haven't had the time because you've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, 
why don't you uh, commission consider commissioning your own flavor text for a very special spoiler feel spoiler filled Spark Notes version of whatever you want for the very low price of sixty dollars. Now, um, Andrew is Moon President a <clears throat> Patreon tier that I forgot about, or is <laughs> right. that a reference that'll make sense in two hours? Um, right, both and neither, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So, as we learned last month with Buffy, the best way to consume any type of horror, campy or not, is retroactively through the use of low-resolution images found on the internet. And so... Yeah. You, you really get the full effect that you way. You really get the full effect that way. Look, I've so, seen a Blair Witch Project movie before. <laughs> and so, joining me on this dive into the ancient Undercity are Todd, Our Eyes Are Not Yet Open, Thomas, Kyle... Grant us eyes, grant us eyes, Harper. And Matt, has anyone seen my eyes, Cole? Please, please grant us eyes. <laughs> I don't always talk about this on this podcast, but I do a lot of haunted house acting. And this is like inside all of us, there are two wolves. Inside all of us, there are three haunted house actors. There's, our eyes are not open yet. There's grant us eyes, grant us eyes. And has anyone seen my eyes? <laughs> Oh, that's very good, Matt. So I was gonna make a joke that this there somewhere in between those three is a Coheed and Cambria song list, but <laughs> whatever. Matt's was better. It, it's the sugar sweet something nice and and uh, chemical X it's, that makes me as a person. These three songs are on three different albums, like seven years apart, and they <laughs> they tell a complete story when you listen to them one after yep. the other. Yep, burning through the eyes of madness with the. <laughs> With the cold heart vengeance of the nine planets. Anyway, so uh, as we always do, we'll start with uh, going around the horn with what you know, which you guys already kind of talked about a little bit. And we we mentioned this in the Dark Souls flavor text. Bloodborne is one of the, quote, Soulsborne series. Um, I don't think any of you have played Bloodborne. Did you have you watched it or do you know anything about the story yet? Uh, I'll go first. I have not watched a ton of Bloodborne I think that I probably watched Game Grumps play Bloodborne at some point five yeah. years ago. Just and not the optimal way to intake the information. <laughs> exactly. And I do remember like when I was watching a lot of the Game Theory YouTube channel, I remember there being mm -hmm. like a Bloodborne Dark Souls type episode. But I don't know anything about the story. I literally just assumed that it was like gory or Dark Souls, right? Like it was Bloodborne, so it was bloodier. I don't know. That's all <laughs> I've got. Got it. Uh, nearly the same. Like I knew it is, yeah, like the Souls fan, Dark Souls, and um, that was about it. Like if there is, if there is an explicit story, it is a surprise to me. I assumed it was all like, text-based lore clues <laughs> i i thought i knew a bit about bloodborne and then i was thinking like oh no wait that's elden ring and then i was like <laughs> and then i was like no 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 i i'm pretty sure i know something about bloodborne and then i was like and no that's wait elden that's dark that's dark souls yeah and so um i i want to say that i know more than someone who doesn't know anything but like probably less than the average consumer of bloodborne got it Cool. All right. Well, let me, I got a quick background and, you know, again, we did do a, a flavor text on Dark Souls about a year ago. That was uh, posted in July of 2022. Um, in that flavor text, I get into more about the history of developer from software and its um, 
auteur, if you will, creator, Hidetaka Miyazaki. I'm going to briefly touch on that, but we're really going to get right into it. So just as a quick background around Bloodborne, um, following the massive success of 2011's Dark Souls, creator, creator Hidetaka Miyazaki and his development company from software had become household names. Fans were clamoring across the world for a sequel to Dark Souls, um, but at the same time, this was about 12, 2012, 2013, the PC version had just come out, the Dark Souls DLC had just come out. Um, From Software was approached by a Japanese subsidiary of Sony called Japan Studio, asking them, like, hey, we want to collaborate on a new project for Sony's next generation console. This was 2013, the PS4 would release in a, about a year later. And according to an interview done by IGN a number of years ago, Miyazaki had at this point already been toying with the idea of doing something new inspired by Victorian era gothic horror. So think like Dracula, Frankenstein, that kind of era. Sure. Um, but also though but also was very interested in the works of HP Lovecraft. And so he agreed and set to work. So Miyazaki actually split his Dark Souls development team in half. One would work on the direct sequel to Dark Souls, Dark Souls 2, and the other would work on this new project, tentatively titled Project Beast. And at the time, it was a pretty common conspiracy theory in the fandom, and I think it's pretty much, I guess, confirmed at this point that it was Project Beast, Bloodborne was definitely like Team A, and Dark Souls 2 was Team B. And that's that's why a lot of people cite Dark Souls 2 as the weird stepchild uh the zelda 2 of the series if you will i like dark souls 2 a lot like i talked about in the last game but it's very different and it's it has that like zelda 2 feel about it mm. i still stand strong that zelda 2 is the best zelda game i'm it's, just putting that out there. it's also pretty fun <laughs> no it's not the best it's pretty Stop it's not being a contrarian game. i yeah, said what i said that is that is contrarian matt and I will accept no other he's never reality. played link to the past so he doesn't even know what he's talking about okay fair so during Sony's E3 2014 press conference, we saw the first trailer for what would be an, a PS4 exclusive title, Bloodborne, and people went fucking nuts for it. <laughs> and it, it just it quickly became 2015's most highly anticipated game. Everybody wanted the cool werewolf game. Everybody <laughs> clamored for the cool Dark Souls werewolf game. Just so, to like so, set the set the narrative. Sorry, Andrew, I didn't mean to cut you're you good, off. You're good. What else? Like what else was big in 2015 game wise? Mm. Excellent question. So this is this actually brings me to the next point. Bloodborne, oh, Bloodborne would release in March of 2015 to a massive critical and commercial success. It got a 92 initial score in Metacritic. Um, it was lauded for a long time as one of as game of the year or one of the games of the year. That same year, we had Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, um, Undertale. Metal Gear Solid 5, and Fallout 4. And Batman Arkham okay. Knight. Was 2015 and the best year in Bat video games Man ever? Arkham Knight, which was also a game that came out then, sure. I mean, those are those are big hits it's in big like hits. sprawling diversity. Yeah. yeah. Until yeah. Dawn and Super Mario Maker were also that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah this was, the Wii U is still kicking. I think this was the Wii U's best year because of Mario Maker. Uh, Rocket 20. League. As Rocket, League. Rocket League. Well, yeah. yeah, 2015 might have been the big, best year in video game ever. All right. Um, I think you it's, know, wait, I think the answer. On. You know what else released in 2015? 
Final Fantasy fourteen colon Heaven Sword. <laughs> <laughs> it's ah. critically acclaimed. Um, my my answer to that is nineteen ninety eight is the best year for video games. Mm. But that's another that's a that's another show, conversation show for another work. day. Metal Gear Solid, Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, Banjo Kazooie. There's some there's some others. Fair. Um, but I digress. So it released March of twenty fifteen by. Three or four weeks, the game had already sold almost just a shy of a million copies, and by September, it had beaten two billion copies. So the game was a massive hit. Um, it, I should say, like the game also moved PS4s because if anybody had a PS4, I don't think any of you guys had a PS4, um, or maybe I think Kyle, you you do, right? I do currently. I yeah. did not at the time. You you may you may or may not remember that the PS4 launches PS4's launch was not great. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a whole lot. Play, PlayStation has had rough launches since yeah, PlayStation 3. Like Historically they, not great at launching yeah. a console, yeah. Um, a PlayStation seller was is good, though. That's a yeah, good... This was, yeah, this was a, a, a big first killer app for PS4. Uh, later that year, by November, From Software released a full $20 DLC expansion titled The Old Hunters, which is definitely considered to be objectively from software's best DLC. I would argue some of the best DLC content ever made. Like I wow. definitely highlight that as one of my f- personal favorite DLCs. Um, what, Not including cri- critically what? acclaimed expansion, Devin's word. Uh, right, right, right. Tight 30 on, on that justification. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can talk about Show the old work. hunters. I can talk about the whole you know, old hunters later. Um, the old hunters does something where a lot of DLC doesn't do, which it both is a standalone story, but it adds context and actually answers questions that the game brings up, which is not something that any other from software DLC does, but it adds a lot of really interesting and makes interesting tools and makes the game more enjoyable, like the base game more enjoyable, like what fire emblem does with their DLCs. Um, but like some of the stuff in that DLC is the is the absolute highlight of blood the Bloodborne experience. Like okay. you should not play Bloodborne if you don't play the Old Hunters. Okay. Oh wow. Good to okay. know. Well, and, and the fact the fact that you said that the the DLC like builds on the story and expands and answers questions, mm-hmm. you know, DLC has been hit or miss across the board for like games in the past decade. Right. But right. I'm trying to think of a good example or at least a handful of good examples of DLC that I look back on and be like, man, did that enhance the main story without just like adding more somehow? It DLC always falls in the trap of like, because it's extra, they have, it kind of, ha- it has the Disney plus problem of like, you have to be able to enjoy the whole thing, the original thing without having seen the extra thing. Right. So yeah. it, it, it loses from like, well, it can't be relevant because pe- not everyone's going to see it. Um, right. This one, they're just like, nah, fuck it. Like, this is it. This here's is the real a, here's a whole other game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the real ending. Anyway, gotcha. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty much Bloodborne. Um, people love it with a with rabid passion. So as far as the gameplay is concerned, anybody who's played Dark Souls will be familiar. This is where we get into like this is why it's called Soulsborne. Much like Dark Souls, you have a melee weapon, you have a quick attack and a heavy attack. You can avoid damage with a dodge that uses invincibility frames. And we talked about that extensively with rolling with iframes uh, when we talked about Dark Souls. 
Um, everything in Bloodborne you kill awards you with blood echoes, which are these this game's version of souls, the singular currency that you use to buy items and level up your character's stats, because this is an action RPG and therefore not right for Matt. Yep, you um, got it. Check. <laughs> got uh, it. When you, when you die, you're returned to the last checkpoint. In this case, it's a lantern. In Dark Souls, they're bonfires. They work the same way. You rest at the lantern. Once you rest at the lantern, it resets all the enemies. When you die, you go back to the lantern. You have to go find where you died and collect your your souls. In this case, your echoes, right? So, and then you have consumable items that heal and augments attack. So, a lot of that same those same core mechanics are here. So that yeah, that's all just Dark Souls reskinned so far. Correct. Correct. Okay. okay. Now, where the games dramatically veer off from each other is how they play because while bloodborne uses all the same verbs it does so in a very different way um when we talked about dark souls i introduced you guys i I talked about the concept of the sword and board and the way that kind of there's a lot of ways to play dark souls but the the more or less the optimal version is you walk around you've got a shield in one hand you've got a sword or another melee weapon in another hand and you're going to be kind of slowly but carefully navigating through corners, looking for bad guys. You're going to be dodging attacks. You're going to be blocking attacks and kind of waiting for that opening to it to hit. Right. It's kind of like how you would play like a fighting game. You know, it's it's a dance. It's 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 return and, and counter and return. Bloodborne is the exact opposite in that it's fast and aggressive. You have to stab them before they stab you. That idea is carried through in the fact that you don't in this game you don't have a shield. Instead of a shield, you've got the power of gun. Ah, <laughs> could it's Dark yes. Souls with gun? It's Dark Souls with gun, baby. Uh, cool. So guns are and guns are not a substitute for like a bow and arrow. They're not just a ranged weapon. Guns in this game are very much a utility um, and not like a source for damage. So the way that guns work is you've got your melee weapon on weapon on the right triggers and then your gun on your left triggers. Um, gun, you, the way that you, <laughs> capital U, used gun is you shoot an enemy to interrupt them. And that will give you like kind of like a split mm. second for an opening. But there's a mechanic called gun parrying, which if you shoot something right before as it's attacking you, like to interrupt it, it will like stagger and you can repost for massive damage. And it looks really gonna cool. Make, I was going to make the comment that in many games, you can just parry. And I thought yeah. I was going to say, oh, instead of parrying, you're just shooting them. It pretty but much. then you said that instead you're doing both. I did. Yeah. You didn't you're, you're, you're bothing. Yeah. As, is, is the reference to the movie Equilibrium going to be lost on anyone? Is this that gun would be kata? lost on me. Does that anyone know? Everyone should go watch Equilibrium. It's okay. Christian Bale <laughs> in a uh, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic, like, 1984 type movie but they invented their own form of gun martial arts for it oh, and good. What? it's awesome yeah <laughs> it's like uh the D gun monk <laughs> it is it is exp- the gun monk was made so you could play <laughs> gun it. kata in D D. yeah right. wow that sounds pretty dumb and stupid Great. it's really dumb and stupid that sounds dumb and stupid so the other another big difference is with the melee weapons themselves. So this is Victorian era England. So we don't have swords and spears and maces. Instead, Bloodborne introduces introduces trick weapons, which are kind of like a Tears of the Kingdom style, two things glued <laughs> together to make one massive thing. 
Rocket hammer? <laughs> it's kind of a rocket hammer. There is a rocket hammer that Go you can on. set on fire. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> now that I have your attention. So the way it works is every weapon has two forms that you can add a, on, the, on a button press switch between back and forth. Um, so there's a couple different, and, and actually what combat can be more fluid uh, and you can kind of chain these together in your attack combo. So you could do like light, light, heavy switch attack and it'll do like a special attack to switch mm. into its other form and then like hold, press and hold, you know, whatever. So you can do some like really cool combo moves that you can't do in Dark Souls, which is hmm. neat. And it's all about playing aggressively. There's another mechanic where if you get hit, um, if you lose damage, and if you hit the enemy a couple times right after, you can get some of your. It's called like a like a rebound. You can get some of your health back in an instant. Oh, the game okay. uh, the game awards you for playing aggressively. Um, a couple examples you get early game. You get the the fast hitting saw cleaver, which is just a, a <laughs> saw on a stick that you can extend its range. Um, there's an axe that that turns from like a one handed hand axe to like a battle a two handed battle axe. Um, and then there's a there's the other starting weapon is a, is called the threaded cane, which is literally just a cane, but like you can it's it turns into a barbed whip. And it's like it's pretty cool. Whoa. What what is the um in game in universe like explanation for this? Is they this are, like super advanced? There is tech? an example. Nope. Nope. Is it they, magic? This, this is this is not magic. This is the explanation here is you are part of a group of this faction called hunters. And hunters belong to a hunter's workshop. And these are tools that were created at the hunter's workshop. So these are the result of these like hired killers that are, that tinker with kitchen tools all day. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, it gets the, the stuff gets, you know, more silly and more ridiculous as the game goes on. There's there's a rapier that turns into a rifle with a bayonet. Um, there's there's well a big there. dumb there's a big dumb stone hammer that has like a little sword hidden inside, and then there's an even dumber, stupider like wooden wheel that you just like mash on people and then spin it and it like like grinds them up. Are you a are you a grind wheel main, Andrew? I'm not a grind wheel main. I just use the I use the the saw cleaver throughout the whole game because that's all I ever. It's just like boring and repetitive and easy. I I can't get a grasp on what this game is trying to be like <laughs> yeah I, I i thought it was gonna yeah. be like gritty realism and it based upon the weapons you listed i'm leaning closer to like monster hunter but more ridiculous it it's, the weapons definitely feel like monster hunter but it it does it does take itself seriously um in, in in a lot of ways but the weapons it's it's not afraid to be a little bit silly yeah i was just gonna i was just gonna say could we just go back for a hot second and mm -hmm. describe to me the smash wheel one more time and then <laughs> finish your sentence but you you pulled it out there yeah um and and the other point this is in a level of realism because this is gothic victorian era london so magic as we know it doesn't exist now there are arcane things that happen in this world but they don't really come up until the latter half of the game but there are hunter's tools that you can get that can augment some abilities. So there is magic adjacent stuff. There's also like fire weapons and lightning weapons. But really, I mean, it boils down to like you hit stuff, you dodge, you run away. And, and was, that's it. What are what are blood echoes used for if not magic? Yeah, not arcane shit. <laughs> uh, well, well, I'll explain here in a bit. 
Okay. Um, the <laughs> There's last no magic major... in this world, but you have to go back to where you died to collect your souls. There, There <laughs> is magic, but it's different, and I don't want to bury the lead. Or I want to continue to bury the lead, rather. Okay, okay. Bye. So the last major functional difference is how items themselves work. If you, you may remember when we talked about Dark Souls, you have an Estus Flask, which is this limited resource that has a set amount of charges. And when you rest at a bonfire, you get those charges back. Bloodborne doesn't have that. Bloodborne has instead blood vials. Um, they are not charges. They are just simply consumable items. And the animation is like pretty brutal. It's literally like they're little syringes that you just like jab into your leg oh. um, and inject yourself with blood. Because when you cool. lose blood, why not add more to your leg? <laughs> it's a good way to get hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about it, Kyle. There is a reason why it's is called Bloodborne. there a hepatitis mechanic it's- in this game? <laughs> Wait, no, this game about make... bloodborne illnesses. Can yes. I call the shot now that this game is about bloodborne illnesses? Is it that is real? about wow. bloodborne illnesses. Yes, that's why it's oh called my bloodborne. God, I was gonna make a joke about blood doping in the Olympics, but I feel like that car's already passed and we can't yeah. catch it. So let's just keep it's, going. There well, is if we there blood are... doped a little bit. We could catch it, and that's <laughs> and that's where the magic, the the quote unquote gotcha. capital M magic lives. Okay, so we'll we'll get to all of that. Okay. Um, you also have uh, bullets in the form of, so you get your, your ammo for your gun in the form of quicksilver bullets, which are also kind of used as your, like, however time, like, ammo for any magical tool. So that's your, that's your single, like, ammo charge, basically. Do you ever shoot blood? Can you shoot blood f- bullets? Or is that's that what not... quicksilver bullets are. They are. Oh, they okay. Are, it's con- blood. They are, the, the lore is they are just condensed blood. Everything about this, everything in this game is blood. Blood is everything in this game. <laughs> everything gotcha. is blood and the points don't matter. That's right. So I <laughs> as have, Drew Carey used to say every night on our TV. <laughs> I have linked to the intro cutscene. I'd like you guys to go ahead and, and let that play now. Um I will kind of talk a little bit over it, but I wanna I just wanna you get so you can get the vibe of like what they're going for here. So I'll just say at the central that the center of Bloodborne lies a mystery. What you think you're seeing is rarely, if ever, the full story, and it's not until way past the halfway point of the game where it, it drop the game even drops its own facade and you and reveals the cosmic horror behind the very real gothic horror. So I'm gonna walk through Act One of the game, just revealing it just as only as much as you would see in your first playthrough, um, and then there's gonna be a point where. The, the curtain comes up and we backtrack and we explain how we got here. So the video that you're watching now uh, begins with the, with the view of an old grizzled looking man <laughs> with, a, with a, a ratty looking top hat going on about something called pale blood and some says that we've come to the right place. Yarnum is the place for blood ministration, which is a word. Blood uh, ministration, <laughs> which is a word. Um, the minist- a ministry for blood. That's correct. <laughs> it's it's a real techno pagan of a word. <laughs> um, the man says, "You've come to the right place." Uh, he lurches in closer and tells us that the best place to unravel Yarnum's secrets is with a little of its own blood. And as he says that, the light turns to reveal scars of gouge marks where his eyes otherwise would have been because if you didn't know already if you couldn't tell already eyes are a big part of this game uh we realize blood good (laughs) we realize that we're strapped to a table as whatever this foreign blood system is just forcibly injected in our veins 
And uh, we fade in and out of reality as we see this werewolf kind of like emerge from a pool of blood and then is lit on fire. And then we fade to black and we hear the words, ah, you found a new hunter. So that's weird. Oh. And oh, there's the blood werewolf. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm a little ahead of the blood werewolf. I've got the yeah. little crawling... Same. Uh, yeah, there's some little, little crawling skelly boys. <laughs> coming. Is that what we're calling <laughs> those? Yeah, little, little skelly, skelly boys. boys. Yeah, they're little skelly like boys. That. They come in, they just... Sorry, I'm behind. I had to jump back and um, double check the guy's uh, scarred eyes. Yeah. man, You didn't I have to. I, I did not tell you how abrasive the sticker mule ad I got after that was. <laughs> <laughs> so that that gives you a good sense of what Bloodborne is, especially the first half, because your reaction there is like, sorry, what? <laughs> and that's 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 Bloodborne. Um, Bloodborne is very much intended to be a mystery. And this is the kind of game where you are not going to know what the hell is going on until after you go to YouTube, after you've played the thing. Which oh, good. Is, which is why I've played this game and beaten this game four times. Nice. That's a lot of times. It's that four is times. a lot of times. It's and more you, times than I beat Ocarina of Time as a kid. And you you saw saw X every time, all four times. Uh, I think so. I think yeah. I at least two of those times. One of them okay. was a new game plus, so it was the same build in my defense. Gotcha. Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. So. After that nightmare of a werewolf burning in flames, we awake from the operating table completely <laughs> alone. The t- this is when, and this is when we turn into gameplay, and the title card reads, Yosefka's uh, Clinic. Uh, but there are no signs of life found here. Uh, the only thing that we find is a note that says the following, Seek pale blood to transcend the hunt. And we do not know what, know what that means, and we will not know what that means for another 20 hours. So we wander around this empty clinic and we see tons of beds with similar infusion like contraptions all caked with dra- dried blood. And and then we see waiting for us by the exit is that hulking werewolf from whatever that nightmare was. Um, we try to fight that werewolf, but all we can do is punch it and it kills us pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so that you are dead screen fat flashes and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and a cutscene plays. So this is like the beginning of Earthbound when you have to fight the star man. Um, a cutscene plays where we then awaken in front of this chapel secluded in some like un unbespoke woods. The area is kind of in this like pocket dimension, as we can see, there's just an endless void off the cliffside. And the title card, The Hunter's Dream, appears. Um, at this point, we're given this is when we get our choice of starting gear, and this is really when the, the game starts. We get our first weapon and our gun. More importantly, though, we meet the man sitting inside the chapel who's on a wheelchair. He introduces himself as German, and he's a friend to the hunters. This group, the hunters, we learn that we are the newest inductee. Um, he tells us, hey, just go out and kill a few beasts and try not to think too much about it. Just just kind of let it sink in. It's all good. And it's try not to think do. too much about it, huh? Mm-hmm. Good. Yep. German, he's our friend. He's image one. Oh. Um, right as now, always, this I should is know indigu- indistinguishable from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Pretty much it's the, the same, same thing. story. <laughs> um, I should note, too, as always, we have an imager uh, file uh, or imager library. That link is in the show notes, so you can follow along at home if you are by a computer or a phone. Great. So that's image one. So the Hunter's Dream, this is our safe house, our game's hub. This is where we you know, get our items, do all the stuff, level up, and all that good shit. 
just like with Firelink Shrine and Dark Souls and all the other hub games and all the other Souls games. Um, now, there's one. There's not much else to do here at, the, at this point in the beginning of the game. There's one other notable figure. Uh, it is a pale-looking doll about the size and shape of an adult woman. Um, the doll is strictly inanimate, and there's nothing to do. But it definitely sticks out, and it's weird. And that's image two. That's, oh, that's not a person. That's, upsetting. that's a doll. Yeah, that's yeah. a doll. Don't don't like that. Yeah, so just an old man in a pocket old dimension. Old man and his doll. With his doll. Mm, cool. Anyway, we leave we leave the hunter's dream, and we say that's weird, and we shrug. <laughs> but hey, now we're all geared up, and it's fine. We return back to the waking world, and we confront that werewolf with our new saw cleaver and or hand axe, and we succeed because now we have a weapon instead of just punching. So we beat the werewolf and we walk through the doors of Yosefka's clinic and are greeted with our main setting for part one of this story, the dusk-strewn skies of Yarnum. And this is image three, the city of Yarnum. Yarnum is your traditional Dickens-y, Victorian-era, London-esque city. It is gross. It is full of people, specifically full of coffins of dead people. It's it's like if London was exclusively churches. Uh, yeah. Do yep. these um, these carriages to me they serve like the same purpose as he grew a beard to show time has passed. <laughs> there's a carriage to tell you you're in London. Yeah. Um. There's something funny about the design of Bloodborne because it was a, a it was a a quote next gen game. Um, they wanted to really highlight the PS4's capabilities by putting in a lot of stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> look how much stuff we can have. Yeah, there's a lot of particle effects, and this game gets this game gets really liberal with things like vases and coffins, <laughs> <laughs> and there's just like coffins on coffins on coffins. It's really funny how that works. I was gonna say this image looks like. In Ocarina of Time, when you emerge as Adult Link outside of the Temple of Time, and yeah. everything is just it's, bad it's and sad. It's very much like that. It's very much like that. Yeah. It is Hyrule Castle Town to seven years later. Too too many vases and coffins, though, like would help sell me on the like, this is a world of madness. This is a world where <laughs> yeah. where things aren't aren't all together yeah. or under knowable. Yeah, so, and we're, we, we get confirmed that things aren't together as we walk outside and we get attacked by random villagers um, because that the first random villager who unquestionably lunges at us with a pitchfork <laughs> and he's just like, um, and we're like, oh yeah, this is a Souls game and everything wants me to die. So, uh, so we, 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 we stab them and uh, we continue on. Are they, for the, are they non-verbal or are yes. they like actually yelling no growling just... okay okay yeah there there's there's a little bit of verbal and you'll hear stuff like beast beast rawr! but it's like people are like clearly like insane sure sure um see also the first bit of resident evil 4 if you ever played that it's kind of like that that ain't, that's not for anybody cool we'll move not, on which which resident <laughs> describe to me the resident the, evil not the number that's the gamecube one the it's GameCube the, one. yeah it's the gamecube one with all the quick time uh, events the lost plagas oh yeah yeah, yeah. now i'm in you're in <laughs> cool yeah that's the chainsaw controller it's the, that's chainsaw, the chainsaw controller, controller. yep <laughs> duh so uh we climb up a long ladder a, a, after a bit and arrive at the first of many lanterns which again are the checkpoints the bonfires 
And past this lantern is a locked house with a window that appears to have a light on inside and a man's voice calls out from the window. And this is kind of our first like friendly NPC that isn't that crazy man that infused us at the beginning. Um, we don't see anything. We just see a window, but we hear the man and he appears to be lucid, but he's coughing a lot. So he sounds like he has like a, like a bubonic plague-esque kind of thing. <laughs> sure. Um, he introduces himself as Gilbert and he's nice enough, but he warns us that Yarnum is cursed and nothing can be gained by sticking around. Turn back uh, if you know it's good for you. Um, we don't do that. And instead we ask about <laughs> pale blood because we're, we're, we're unilaterally looking for the pale blood. Um, Gilbert doesn't know what that is, but he says, well, head toward the Healing Church, the headquarters of the Healing Church, which is in Yarnum's Cathedral Ward, which is conveniently on the other side of town. And that's, you know, that's all that's home to all types of blood science and ministration. And maybe they know what that is. It's a much more helpful reaction than I would give if someone asked me about pale blood, which would be, <laughs> ooh, no, get away yeah. from me. Don't touch me. Uh, yeah. Um, Gilbert concludes this exposition by saying that, hey, like normally you wouldn't be able to just freely walk around Yarnum, but tonight is the night of the hunt, which we surmise is a kind of purge-esque situation where townspeople just kind of mutate into mindless mobs and hunt down and kill beasts that are created by whatever this mysterious plague that has affected this town. Because it's pretty clear that this town is has a plague. There is a capital P plague going <laughs> on. Going on, yeah. So it's it's like a supernaturally like induced purge. Yep. Okay. I'm still in. Yeah. So we walk through Central Yarnum, and Central Yarnum is going to be this game's first major level section. Um, we we traverse the town streets. We see all the like I said these like tons of like chained up coffins. There's dead bodies everywhere. Um, effigies of dead werewolves strung up on flaming wooden posts, like being crucified. Right. Um, all the while, uh, we're cutting down patrols of crazed townspeople wielding like pitchforks and meat cleavers and shouting and yelling, ro- rolling torches. I mean, it's like if, you know, again, the, the, the mobs of Dracula, of the story of Dracula were like also just insane <laughs> and feral. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and as we start to fight these townspeople, we realize like more and more that like, Oh, they're they are also the monster, and you'll you'll start to see like they're not just hairy, but they're like turning into like werewolves basically, sure. because this is a cool werewolf game and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no deeper meaning. That's correct. So we make our way through dark alleyways connected by abandoned homes that are li- littered with these like, snarling half beast humanoids and emaciated feral dogs. Um, We find two more full-on werewolves and then come up to the great bridge that connects the eastern side of Yarnum to the Cathedral Wards. This is where we have to go. Um, That bridge is being patrolled by the first, which is technically optional, boss, a hulking mass of talons and antlers, the Cleric Beast in Image 4. Oh. Yeah. He looks like a metal album. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I also also love this. this. Yeah, the, the cleric piece is pretty rad. So this is the first boss of Bloodborne where you're like, oh shit. Um This is the this is the wispy woods of Bloodborne. <laughs> this is the wispy woods of Bloodborne. That's correct. No chill. Yeah, and he d- when he spits his apples at you, they hurt really bad. Right. <laughs> um so we we fight the cleric beast and uh downing the cleric beast reveals another lantern, but more importantly, unlocks the ability to level up and now we can spend the blood echoes that we've been accumulating at this point 
Oh, um, thank God. We return to the hunter's dream using the lantern, and we see that inanimate doll that was just sitting there doing nothing before. Suddenly, it's alive, and now it's talking to us. And that's image five. Don't like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I, are there... Now, Andrew, <laughs> yeah. are you going to keep bringing back this inanimate doll and just keep giving us pictures of this in, inanimate doll staring at us? I only have and, one more picture of the doll. Andrew is, right. Andrew is not controlling where the doll appears in the story he is but a vessel for the story (laughs) (laughs) much like the doll i am but a vessel yeah so much like the doll is a vessel uh she also channels through you like you are a vessel through your blood echoes and levels you up because the doll is how you level up in this game oh obviously obviously it's the level up doll it's the level up doll (laughs) everybody knows it's the level up doll so uh we we does the doll have a name it does not okay you can give her a name if you want. I was expecting that answer, and and it's not better. What if I were just like the doll's name is Catherine? <laughs> that might. I don't be know if that makes it better. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. It's different. So we return to the waking world, and uh, we find that okay. So we we're on this big bridge, the gate connecting to the cathedral ward, where obviously it's closed. Obviously, we can't get in the front door. So we're gonna have to go around the long way through the city's aqueducts. Woo, a sewer section. (laughs) Oh, man. Classic. It is a horror game. Yep, so we do that. We fight more half-human, half-werewolf men, and we do our court-mandated section of plague rats in the sewers. And uh, we arrive on the other side of the sewers and find ourselves on the far end of central Yarnum, um, closer to our goal of the cathedral ward. We walk into a secluded cemetery and are greeted by a cutscene of a man dressed in these like modest-looking black robes. And I'm going to ask you to click this link. And again, I'll I'll uh, explain what's happening while it plays. It's about a minute long. Andrew, about yeah. how many times have we died at this point? Uh, probably a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a decent amount. So uh, we we our character walks through uh, enters the cemetery and we see this man who's like huddled over a body. And he's wearing like black robes. He kind of looks like he's a churchy figure. He's got like a one of those like flat brimmed hats, you know. And he's just violently driving an axe through a already dead body of some unnamed beast. Stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> and it's just like spewing blood, right? And uh he does this slow resident evil turn around, and you see his like uh, almost like fang-like teeth, and he like breathes cold fog out of his breath. And he goes, uh, he he says something like "time to die" or whatever. I forget what it is. Um, this is Father Gascoigne, and Father Gascoigne is the first official boss of Bloodborne. Ah, uh, is uh, he not just the man we saw earlier that didn't have eyes? He sure uh, looks he's, like him. He does look like him, but he's different. Trust me, he's different. Oh, okay. Um, what Todd? All people without eyes look the same to you. <laughs> all people that have eyes in spooky old England that wear hats and and yeah are in this blood hunting look, world. There are a maybe. lot of grizzled old men with top hats, Todd. I'm, I hate to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> it is Victorian era England. So yeah, so this uh, this Father Gascoigne fight is really dope boss fight. It's kind of the first like major wall of the game. Um, Father Gascoigne is the first of the other hunters that we meet throughout the game. Because, like, may I remind you, this is a faction of people. This is a faction of people that is very much still out there, you know, hunting beasts. Um, and in what's cool about this fight is Gascoigne 
is one of us. He does he does all the same things that we can do, right? So he moves the same. He he has a gun that he tries to interrupt you, parry you. Um, he dodges this. He has iframes as well. You can't hit him when he's doing his iframes. He even wields um, the hunter's axe, which is one of the three starting weapons. So like it's it's a mirror. It's it's you know it's fighting Dark Link in the Water Temple, right? It's, so it's a it's a cool moment. And there's a lot of these like hunter duels scattered throughout the game, and all of them are like really fucking fun to do. Um, halfway through though this he introduces another mechanic that's going to happen a lot which is second forms this game is just uh, sick sure. with second forms Great. it's a real it's big RPG. fan I mean, yeah it's, it's a real it's big a fan deal. of second forms so um half that once you get him down to half his health bar he does he does his full transformation and he turns into a a twice as tall wolf-like mr hyde version and we see that in image six so oh. this is his full his full beastly transformation. Dang. Hmm. And this is showing that, you know, this is this is kind of signaling to the player that like, okay, well, the hunters are this faction. They're out there hunting these beasts, but am I the monster? No, I couldn't be. That would be wild. <laughs> I can't be the monster. Um, yeah, there's a thin line between man and beast, as it seems. And uh, this is a cool werewolf game. This is going to get... Even more about cool where it's gonna blur that line even further. Yeah, so uh, we we take down Father Father Gascoigne, and uh, that lets us continue on up through um, a chapel called Odin's Chapel. Um, Odin's Chapel is kind of the bottom point of the cathedral ward, or uh, kind of a middle point of the cathedral ward. Inside Odin's Chapel is a friendly NPC who's going on about, you know, this hunt might be the last. Everyone in Yarnum has gone completely mad. Yarnum's done for. Oh my gosh. Um, and then he finds us and he says, oh, hey, hey, somebody who's sane. That's great. If you find anyone else who is sane like me, you should bring them here. Business to me, safe the house. sane guy. I don't to me, like the that. Sane where yeah. I'm sane and everything's yeah. cool. Do you, yep. you want to see this man? He's image seven. He's a melt. He looks like a melted candle. This <laughs> man yeah. is in the floor. He is. Yeah, he is in the floor. He he's is a, a melted, puddle. He's a melted candle, man. But he's sane. Send him there. Send everyone yeah. there. Hmm. So your job as the player is, I mean, he's nice enough. He's not, he's not, he's not, you know. Dude, he's not, dude he's not trying violent. to kill you like the, like yeah. the last guy. Yeah. So you're like, all right, dude, I, I guess like you just want, you're just kind of lonely. That's fine. I mean, he's just a melted candle, man. <laughs> so uh, we, we walk through the door and now we, we enter the cathedral ward, which is our next major area, AKA Yarnum part two. Um, think about, you know, this is the upper city, right? Ah. So it's, it's got more churches, <laughs> <laughs> taller spires, taller, bigger churches, <laughs> nicer coffins. Now this, this section is a lot similar to the last. So we've got, but in, in, in addition to crazed town people and zombie dogs, we get some new threats, including these ax wielding zombie hulks that are simply called church giants on image eight. <laughs> oh, what a naming convention! That's hor- yeah. That's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, those the those uh, what was the what was the the MMA fighters that you guys posted you posted about the other day the church fighters. Oh, oh the pa- power, uh, power team. team. Yeah, they're the power team. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say they look like the uh, the mutants in Fallout that are purple because they experimented with oh, yeah, invisibility this... devices, the Nightkin or yeah. whatever. They look like the, yeah. They look like the the Jabberwockies. If if anyone anyone <laughs> I anyone don't know, know that, that I'd go that far. I don't think yeah. I see Jabberwockies. No, you want to see 
No, I'll tell you what the Jabberwockies the are. Mask. Okay. There's there's actual Jabberwockies masks, and they're the members of the Cathedral Ward. I don't have a picture here, but if you want to look up just like healing church enemies, that they have the Jabberwockies masks, hundred percent. Um, let's add Bloodborne to that. Yeah, they do have the Jabberwocky masks. They sure do. Yeah. Oh, yep. Okay. I so stand corrected, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Cathedral Ward is kind of like our first uh, branching off path. <clears throat> so we can either go to the lower path or the higher path. The lower path leads to an abandoned tomb that eventually leads to a section called Old Yarnum. The upper path, though, winds through a series of locked gates leading to the Grand Cathedral. So we take the lower path first because we always go down instead of up. And we find a cavern carved out of an old mausoleum. <laughs> yes, that's the super mutant, yes. Yeah. They do look like the super mutant. It's Lily yeah. Bowen. Yeah. Um, we take the lower path first and we find a cavern carved out of an old mausoleum that dead ends into a boarded up door with a note saying something along the lines of like, hunters, no need to come here. Get out. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> nope, um, but out no ghoulies yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but outside of this mausoleum, we first meet another friendly, um, a friendly hunter named Alfred. That's image nine. Alfred's just normal dude. Normal dude. Oh, he looks Alfred's a little concerningly normal dude. World. Yeah. Alfred's not going to be a normal dude, is he? <laughs> Either that or he's about to get fridged to hell. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is definitely the former and not the latter. <laughs> Good. But right oh, now, is we the think next he's a image Alfred? Uh, Alfred is image nine, yes. I know, but is image 10 also Alfred? That is not also Alfred. Okay. So Alfred, Alfred gives us more a little exposition. He says he's a, he's a part of this group of hunters that are chasing a particular particular type of prey called the vile bloods and they they are he's under the tutelage of master lagarius um alfred also tell alfred's the one that wields the big dumb wheel as well <laughs> oh okay yeah thank god um, he also reinforces us in our quest that we should be able to find the leaders of the healing church inside the main cathedral at the top of the ward so we're like cool um he also 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 introduces a new name to our rolodex here Bergenworth. Bergenworth is a name that we've not heard until now. Gesundheit. <laughs> Thank you. Those are the those are the sandals that all the old women wear. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred says that Bergenworth is, quote, an old place of learning. And he tells us there are stories of Bergenworth scholars who discovered a holy medium deep underground in an ancient tomb. And this holy medium was what led to the foundation of the healing church and all of its practices in blood healing. Um, today, though, Bergenworth lies abandoned deep within a forbidden woods and nobody can get there. Yada, how, yada. how are we interpreting the noun medium there? Well, there is a very real interpretation of that, but I'm not going to tell you. yet. Oh, we're not. OK. How do okay. you want to interpret it? Um, I, I'm assuming like a like a, a soothsayer, a fortune teller, uh, something of that sort. OK. OK, great. So uh, we continue through that boarded up gate that says definitely don't continue through this gate. And we find ourselves looking high above and in completely new section of Yarnum down below. Um, this is old Yarnum, or what you can assume is the, the rough part of town, the lower city. The lower city, city. Yeah. yeah. On the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> wrong side of the tracks. Um, a man's voice echoes out telling us, turn back. Um, old Yarnum was burned down and abandoned by men long ago, and only the beasts live here now. But the beasts are no threat to the world above, so just turn around, can't, go back the way you came. Don't don't worry about 
how awful everything is here. It's, yes. It's fine. I mean, that's that's not a bad sell. It, like, it's not a bad sell, but we're hey, a video game it's protagonist. it's bad here, but, like, yeah. it's not bad elsewhere. <laughs> it's it's not it's it's more like it's bad here, but it's contained. Yeah, sure. Yeah, all right. So we're a video game protagonist, and we say, "Fuck that!" I want more. Yeah, we gotta we gotta <laughs> yeah. wade into the filth. Well, the gold right. trail leads that way. I gotta go that way. Yeah. Um. Old Nar- Old Yarnum is uh, introduces uh your your statuses uh, introduces your poison status. Ah. So in addition to uh you know just the normal attacks enemies can poison you and you see this like kind of ashen gray cloud um everywhere kind of permeating and you learn that um not only was old yarnum kind of the uh, the patient zero of this plague but like a very specific kind of this plague hit old yarnum and it was basically like burned to the ground and you see like even more of these like roasted werewolf effigies and like all this kind of shit um but it's pretty wild, and the the enemies are a lot more like pitiful. Like up above, they're kind of these like hulking werewolves, but but down below, they're like very like um a lot more like emaciated and kind of like like huddled huddled back a little bit. Oh, Andrew, they're a lot more alien looking. Is this a class allegory? <laughs> <laughs> is there a class allegory in it's my this, werewolf this game, game? This game is nothing but subtle. <laughs> So anyway, um, the cool mechanic about Old Yarnum is that we, uh, once we keep moving, we get immediately pummeled by gunfire uh, because this man is firing a Gatling gun on top of a clock tower. A, gl- a Gatling gun in Victorian London. It's yeah. steam powered. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's I mean, probably it's, blood it's, powered. No, it's well. like the 16, 1700s. Were there Gatling guns in the 16, 1700s? Yeah. Andrew? Yeah. 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 Were there? Yeah. I'm like mad on asking this question. Like old, Gun, yeah, like the crank ones, like from the old, like the old kind. west, yeah. yeah, the old west kind of crank kind, yeah. In this audio format, I'm I just want all of our listeners I, to know that Kyle, the, he's cranking, he's the cranking. Gatling gun was invented by Richard Jordan Gatling in 1862. <laughs> all right, well, which is the 17th century, which is the 17th makes this century. <laughs> It's it's re- it's in the back nine of the 17th century. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, the, Jonathan Gatling it's did not, not live in the early 1700s <laughs> right. at all. It's not historical fiction, Matt. <laughs> there are guns and fire firepowder in this world. Anyway, um, this is a cool section. So we're basically running through the town. Um, we start from up top, and we have to like jump across rooftops and like duck into buildings and kind of like run past these like duck for cover and run past these gunfire sections. Um, so anyway, we're you know we're going from building to building. We make it all the way down to the the street level, and uh, we can actually we you can optionally here confront that Gatling gun man. Um, you learn that his name is Jura. Um, he's another hunter. He's completely sane. He's just he just has a Gatling gun. Um, but, uh, he's, you know, kind of just making sure he's, again, he's containing the threat. Um, he's one of the few that hasn't been driven insane with bloodlust, but either way, um, like I said, we go down to the ground level, we fight off more sadder versions of those wolf-like villagers. Um, and then, uh, we see all of those more flaming pyres. We get to the center of old Yarnum and we get yet another chapel. This one, though, is a little bit different in that it's got this especially heinous-looking monster that's strung up with two shoulder-length um, loose flaps of skin uh, that are, like, outstretched like an angel's wings. It's really, it's really, it's something. 
Yeah. Um, and then the beastly, like wolf-like townspeople are praying to it like it's a god. Ah, um, we we get always the fuck out of sign. there. Yeah, always a good <laughs> sight. We get the fuck out of there, and we get a better look at what that thing is when we see its twin in a back chamber of the chapel, and we see the title card "Blood Starved Beast," and uh, that's image ten. Oh, and in a in a game that all runs around blood being starved of it, yeah, <laughs> that seems, seems bad. Like an issue. Yep. Um, Blood Starved Beast is uh, is something. So I I want to direct your attention to the two uh, the flayed skin that's just kind of there. I I want to make sure yeah. everyone to. sees the face. The flaps. The face yeah. is there, yeah, like by the leg. That's yep. that's where the head is. It's yeah. not like well, he's like on bodied legs. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on. It's the on all perspective fours, yeah. there. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why I'm gendering this weird monster beast, but <laughs> it's it's definitely female presenting. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a joke or. <laughs> I, I think know. it's real. I think it, is that that's real, right? Like. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Someone go to the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Bloodstar Beast is something else. Uh, it it's a can. It's a very notoriously tough boss in the early game because it basically spews out poison the whole time you fight it. So your your health is like slowly ticking down as you fight it. Um, but you fight it, and the award for beating it is uh, you uh, is unlocking a version of the game or an optional part of the game called Chalice Dungeons, which we're not going to talk too much about. This is this game's version of side quest content. Um, there's a little bit of lore with the Chalice Dungeons, but really they're just it's just more Bloodborne. It's um. It was from software's experiment into procedurally generated dungeons. Uh, this was t- this was 2015. You may yeah. remember procedurally generated was a big buzzword at this point. A yeah. lot of the sur- yeah the the surge of the early roguelikes and stuff. So this was their attempt at procedurally generated dungeons. Um, procedurally generated dungeons are always kind of boring because they end up being very samey. So, meh, it's fine. Um, anyway. Back on the main path, we navigate, we go back up uh, to the main cathedral ward, and we go up through and around those locked gates. We fend off dozens of those Jabberwockies, healing church parishioners, and uh, we make it to the front doors of the Grand Cathedral. Inside the Grand Cathedral, there's a woman in a tattered white cloak who's kneeling at an altar with what looks like uh, this like kind of deformed dog skull. And a cutscene plays where she transforms into a huge white dog monstrosity with very human-like hands. Her name is Vicar Amelia, and this no, is her no, image eleven. No, no, it's not, and we didn't need to see this. Let, let this is look. really dope, dude. This is so sick. <laughs> yeah. God, I wish this game was for me. Why aren't more games for me? Uh, I, I, this the duality be, of man. <laughs> I would love to see the experiment. Of like, I feel like the horror in this is good enough to get Matt to fight through the the RPG of it all. I think I think he could get. I there. would I would be willing to stream this one day so Matt could watch it. I there mean, I'll, I'll if we get enough patrons or whatever, I I would yeah. do it. I, we can mull on there. That it one. is but, there. It is we'll yeah. mull on that one. You you be careful making those offerings. That's how you end up playing <laughs> a Halloween Todd, dating sim. That's how how Todd had to play Doki Doki Literature Club, <laughs> which you can watch um, right now on our YouTube channel. That's right, you can. Um, Kyle, I think you mean had the opportunity to play yes. Doki Doki. You're Literature right, Club. Todd. I'm yes, sorry. Yeah. 
So after taking down Vicar Amelia, we touch the skull, because of course we do, and we get a cutscene. <laughs> Don't um, touch the skull. We always touch the skull, man. Um, now, this cutscene is really important, but at this point, we don't really know why. Um, so we see two previously unidentified men. Um, there's one man who's just out of frame addressing the other as Master Willem. Um, Master Willem is sitting in a rocking chair, and he's holding some sort of like staff or whatever. He's, he's very papal, if you will. Hmm. Um, the man tells Willem that he's leaving. Master Willem responds that you think to betray me. Um, the first man says, no, it's not a betrayal. And trust me, I will never forget our adage. And then to which Willem, Willem retorts, we are born by the blood, made men by the blood, undone by the blood. Our eyes are yet to open. And then they both in unison recite the words, fear the old blood. Fear the old blood sounds like good advice. I mm. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's this game's thesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, with great power comes great yeah. responsibility of this <laughs> <Right>. game. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so as the first man walks out, Willem then mutters to himself, "By the gods, fear it, Lawrence." And we know that man's name is Lawrence. Now, again, let me be clear. At this point, we have no idea what the fuck that was. Like who these people are. What what does old blood mean? Like what? Um, I just, you know, I just want to play a cool werewolf game. Like, I don't know. So um, following Vicar Amelia, um, our next target, we hear we, we're going to Bergenworth. Bergenworth keeps coming up in, in all of these texts and things. And that's really like we've hit a dead end with the healing church. There's nothing else here. Um, it must be in Bergenworth, right? Fear the old blood is, is the key word, the key phrase that we need to get into Bergenworth. So that's how we do that. Um, but there are actually a couple optional areas that we can tackle first. Um, one of those optional areas, I'll just quickly talk about. Um, it's an area that offshoots from the Grand Cathedral uh, into this wooded portion called Hemwick Charnel Lane, which is the most British name of anything. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Manchester um, Cheshire's bird. Yeah, <laughs> Hemwick, Hemwick Charnelshire. Uh, it is your typical rural village that it lives outside of the city limits. Um, it is the Newark of <laughs> Yarnum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so in, uh, in addition to the usual batch of crazed villagers with pitchforks, uh, there is also a wraith that just shows up every once in a while and tries to kill you. Um, and it's really imposing. And you're like, why is there this like, transporting wraith monster here that's weird uh well you learn that at the end of the section deep within a storm cellar we find the witch of hemwick who is like kind of a necromancer i guess and it's never really clear why they can do what they can do um also she wears a coat that's covered in eyes and this is image 12 i've oh, heard of this one this one is not covered in eyes well, i thought yeah. she was gonna be covered in eyes i mean she's covered in eyes let me rephrase that she's covered in eyes okay you that's, can, yeah. That's a lot of eyes. <laughs> it's a lot of eyes. Um, she has a little, a little curved knife for gouging. For she gets for, up, for eye picking. For, for eye picking. And that's what she does. So her attack is she appears behind you and she climbs up on you and then like tries to like scrape oh. out your eyes. Oh no! Oh, I don't yeah. like that. Nope. It's something. 
<laughs> uh, listeners at home, I I put a if you're a fan of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, I put a picture of Carl Batanolanoluski uh, in the episode where he is covered in eyes, and I think it's one and the same of what Andrew's Holy shit. describing. <laughs> I didn't know the success. <laughs> Oh, this sorry. broke Andrew because he very much <laughs> loved Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> the audio clips out there somewhere where he's screaming about <laughs> my friggin' eyeballs are on my feet, and that would be just great to cut in here, future Todd. Holy shit! <laughs> um, I'm gonna watch this when we get done. Oh, wow, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in uh, scene. So continuing through the wooded area opposite Hemwick, opposite Hemwick, we transition to we transition from the residence to the woods. The Forbidden Woods is our next section, and it's much more sprawling and maze-like compared to the tight corridors and looping subsections of Yarnum. And this is where we get start to get the hints that this cool werewolf game might not just be a cool werewolf game. This is this is the first hint that yeah. it's not a now? cool werewolf game. Yeah. Uh, trans, uh, traversing through the first half is very similar to the game to this point, um, and it's mostly just these cr- more crazed villagers. Then there's a moment where a typically normal wolf villager uh, is standing on a small stone bridge, and all of a sudden their head explodes into a tangled mass of snakes, much <laughs> like the reveal in Resident Evil 4. This is image 13. This man is a, is a man of snakes. He's a snake oh, man. Wow. Oh, uh, three three snakes stacked on top of each other in, <laughs> in a trench coat. <laughs> so we that theme carries in the back half of the Forbidden Woods with the nine thousand pl- patches of small snakes hiding in plain sight. So we're fighting a lot of snakes in the Forbidden Woods. Um, we continue to follow the path through the end of the woods. Um, the snakes and the graves keep getting bigger um, until we hit the the end of the woods, the boundary to Bergenworth College, which are guarded by three Harry Potter Death Eaters that act like a D&D party and tip us off once more that this cool werewolf game might not just be a cool werewolf game. Sure. Sure. Um, as we breach the school's gate, we're greeted by a new enemy that significantly ramps up the ick and the weirdness factor. Um, first, there are these shambling bug men with like heads like giant ticks, but normal human people legs. And then the second, they kind of look like the head crabs in Half Life. Um, the oh. second, the second is a massive centipede with a gaping maw in its chest that summons tiny blue meteors at you. And that's image fourteen. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Can you uh-huh. one more time describe what we're looking at here? <laughs> yeah. That's please. a that's a big centipede. Massive centipede, ten foot tall centipede with a gaping maw in its underbelly. It sure uh-huh. is. Um, I think this. Hey guys, this cool werewolf game might not just be a cool werewolf game, right? Yeah. So we fight our way into the main entrance of the school, and we don't find much of anything, uh, save for uh, we find a treasure chest with a slug in it. Um, hmm. it is a celestial shell, and. And that's that is the like the real first hint of something cosmic that's going on. So it's none of this like all of this is kind of like hinted at um, until we find the end of this Bergenworth section, which is we find ourselves in the back of an upper balcony overlooking like a peaceful lake. The full moon is in the background, and we see this old man sitting peacefully in a rocking chair. 
his he's very large and his head is like all like his eyes are like well his eyes are gone because they're all because <laughs> they're on that lady's coat they're they're not there um but his like he's like all kind of arrested back he's kind of babbling incoherently to himself and he doesn't really say anything he just mumbles and then he he slowly moves his staff and he points toward the lake the end of the balcony this is master willem from the cut scene that just played a oh. little bit ago Master Willem, who is the provost, the uh, in charge of the Bergenworth College. Yeah, I and would so, not have guessed you were going to use the sentence "provost of." Yeah, he's provost college Willem. They today. call him. They call yeah. him provost Willem. Yeah. And so, because this is a video game, and all we can do is move forward, we leap off the balcony without a second thought, straight into the lake. But instead of landing in water, we are transported to a sort of pocket dimension slash endless void where we uh, see where we see this thing staring back at us. Image 15. I hate it when that happens. What? Yeah. Uh, oh, is this? Yeah. So this is Rom the vacuous spider. Great. Oh, <laughs> you know what? So, I don't, I, I don't made, like Rom, Andrew. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. Rom. I actually, actually, Rom's kind of cute, and I'm like, he's I'm got tell you some why. cute legs. I mean, yeah, the legs just, are kind of cute. So, so he's so, covered with those little dandelion things. The seeds listen, that blow away when you blow on. Rom, Rom is Rom is really funny of a boss. Is a really funny boss fight because it's so it's so at this point like what the fuck is going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but like what Rom does is like it is a little bit spider and it summons like a bunch of like actual spiders, which that suck. That part sucks. But it never attacks you. It just kind of like rolls around and it rolls and it rolls on its belly. And it's like it just kind of rocks back and forth on its belly. And it's like wah, 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 and it summons these big <laughs> meteors at you <laughs> and they all kill you in one shot. Oh, great. <laughs> so it's 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 pretty funny. Um, it's just Rom's a cute little idiot god. Um, she and also Rom is a she. She rolls around on her belly and she gets belly scratches. <laughs> <laughs> belly <laughs> scratches for Rom, huh? Wow. Belly scratches for Rom. And we we uh, she summons meteors at us while we try to hack away at her fleshy undercarriage. So um, we kill Rom, and uh, once we do, uh, we see this figure out in the distance of a woman, a woman in a white dress. That's weird. So we approach, and it switched to it switches to a cutscene. This cutscene shows this woman close up. This woman in a white dress, like a bridal gown, um, but we see this vibrant red blood stain across her lower abdomen, and she's crying. And she's and her face is also kind of has that Jabberwockies mask like face, mm. um, but she's staring at this massive orange red moon. That appears to be way too close, and that's and uh, this is what we see in image sixteen here. Um, this all seems fine so far. This yeah, seems fine. Great, I'm uh, great. We hear in the background. We hear the echoes of a baby crying as the screen fades to black. Great. Oh, we we wake up and we're back in the cathedral ward, but now there's a little bit different. Um, one, it's no longer nighttime. The sky is purple. This red moon is out. But more importantly, we're staring at this enormous six-armed demon that's just like Jay chilling on this building in image 17. Oh, yep. Yeah. There it is. That's that's a demon. It sure is. It's very Cthulian. Yep. Very Cthulian. You you said the you said the thing. You said the Pee-Wee's Playhouse secret word. Ah! So we we <laughs> We done done a love we done dang did a Lovecraft, guys. Ah yeah, shit. Uh, yeah. 
So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I am going to answer the question, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) When we return. My name is Johnny, and I'm the host, executive producer, and prince of lies for the Monsters Playbook. What's the Monsters Playbook? It's an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in my hometown of Minneapolis, Minnesota, where no monster can hurt you as badly as you can hurt yourself. It's a character-focused adventure where you'll meet Kira Ashwood, a journalist with a cult past she's desperate to atone for, and a secret power hidden even from herself. Casey Davis, a taciturn secret agent becoming disillusioned with the agency she thought she could trust. Theo Nessos, a professional sorceress trying to escape the shadow of her powerful, magical family. And Mark Clayton, a pretty haunted introvert who just wants to make sense of his powers and all the weird things that keep happening to him. This is a show where danger could just as easily come from an otherworldly threat as from the fragile emotions that anchor our characters and bind them together. If you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Dresden Files, or any city-set supernatural story with monstrous threats and messy feelings, check out The Monsters Playbook. New episodes every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so before we went to the break, I walked you through part one, act one of Bloodborne. And until that point, we thought we were playing a cool werewolf game. And I think this is one of the best things about Bloodborne is it does such a good job of burying the lead about what it actually is. That lead is that this is an homage to H.P. Lovecraft. And specifically, like that, like Cthulhu mythos type of cosmic yeah. horror, and it's and it, there's tons of that, like just seeped seeping out of this. Um, but you know, all the trailers for this, like anytime you get look at promotional content, like this is a cool werewolf game, right? Like they they did a really good job of hiding all of this. The character, the main, the faction you're part of is called Hunters. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's rewind. Let's start way back from the beginning, and I'm going to give you the the background to what's happening. Now that you have the context, a lot of the weird shit that we started to see, I'll set up and under, and explain what that was or how we got here. So, everything in Bloodborne's lore traces back to Bergenworth. Bergenworth is the college that we just found mm. ourselves in. Um, this this specific inciting incident is the discovery of an ancient civilization buried deep, deep under Yarnum. Uh, this ancient civilization was called Thumeria, or the Thumerians. The Thumerians were this ancient civilization of humanoids um, that carved out a network of subterranean caverns deep underground. They were, you know, this was your classic, like, ancient civilization with advanced tech, um, kind of demigod status, you know. And we don't exactly know how or why, but they discovered, they were the original ones to discover the remains of old ones, which are trans-dimensional godlike beings that possess otherworldly powers and whose mere existence is impossible for most humans to comprehend. So again, it's the Cthulhu mythos, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The old ones, though, were long gone, even by the time the Thumerians came to around, came around existence. 
But there were traces that they found that led them to one particular old one who was left behind by the rest. We, this person, this, this being has a name. We later learned that this being is called Ibrietas, which we will come back a long time later. <laughs> um, the Thumerians communed with the old one and received its eldritch wisdom and began worshiping it, worshiping it as ancient civilizations are wont to do. And it is said that the old ones are not able to conceive with their own kind. And so the Thumerians offered up their queen, Yarnum, as a potential, uh, eh, said the thing, um, mm-hmm. Yarnum was served up as a potential surrogate to carry the child and kind of be this like, again, to birth this like Thumerian old one, demigod, whatever. Now, it's also not known how, but Yarnum's child was stillborn, thus, you know, that represented by the, the blood um, on her lower abdomen, <clears throat> the blood stain. And this is the inciting incident that led to the downfall of the Thumerian civilization. And some videos I read suggest that um, her baby was killed. Um, some suggest that um, all old ones are kind of cursed to uh, the the uh, or old ones are cursed to have stillborn children. It's really unclear. The game is pretty fuzzy, but it doesn't really matter. This sure. was the downfall of the Thumerian civilization. End of point. Cool. So generations later, these scholars of Bergenworth, who are led by Master Willem, discover the traces of the old ones deep in the Thumerian tombs. Um, and they start to study these curious properties, specifically of the blood of the old ones, the old blood. I could have told him it was a bad idea. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, but yeah. like at every corner, if, we're, if, if something could give us superpowers and infinite life... How are we not going to discover that, Kyle? How are we not going to do dark science to discover its properties, mm, Kyle? We're always going to do dark science. Yeah, yeah. I guess you're yeah. right. So I mentioned the chalice dungeons earlier. So those the procedurally generated dungeons. The chalice dungeons, the only like real lore connection is that the chalice dungeons are this like network of tombs deep underground Yarnum. And you use these like ancient blood rituals to get to deeper and deeper like kind of hidden sections of the of the ancient civilization or whatever. So that's it. Okay. And they're just like, hey, go fight palette swapped bad guys, bosses. It's 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 uninspired. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, so we get the old blood. Now following this discovery, Bergenworth then attempted communing with the old one in every the old ones in every way they could as a means to gain wisdom and knowledge and evolve the human race, right? It's all about evolution it's all about knowing it's eating the forbidden apple right it's yeah it's, that's yeah opening Prometheus the in the fire yeah, yeah opening yeah, the inside yeah. eye you know the, it's the answers of the universe all that stuff. your scientists spent so much time asking whether or not they <laughs> could no one yes. asked if they right. should yeah right. yeah one one particular student of bergenworth whose name is lawrence you may remember from that cutscene. lawrence is important because lawrence became obsessed with the healing qualities of the old one's blood and a rift formed between uh, those who wanted to commune with the old ones, who more were just more in it for the pure knowledge, and then those who wanted to transform humanity with the old blood. The former stayed at Bergenworth, while the latter formed a splinter faction alongside Lawrence and formed what was eventually called the Healing Church, which is our primary antagonist of this story. Ah, okay. So we got Bergenworth, splinter faction, Healing Church, led by Lawrence. The healing church then set off to study anything and everything they could about the old blood, which means which meant they would need a ton of test subjects. 
Now, it's unclear whether or not the blood actually did cure diseases or they just told people it did. But regardless, people traveled the Yarnum from far and wide to be treated with this miraculous cure-all. Because again, this is Victorian era England, something that can cure all diseases, the plague, the the um, other plague. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> tuberculosis. The, the, the thing, thing that, that was going around yeah, in this The era. thing that everybody dies from in the secret garden, right? See, um, <laughs> any of those things. Um, so this blood ministration quickly gained fame across the land. I still can't get over blood ministration. I really <laughs> it's it, it yeah, it's stuck in my brain. It's it's a I mean it's it's a good made up word. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, a fine so- made up word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's one of those things where it says exactly what it is. Yep. So uh the pretty soon, as all dark sciences want to do, the side effects of blood ministration became more and more apparent. As people began turning into blood-crazed beasts, the more they were infused with it. Now, for a while, the church was able to quell any rumors about side effects and keep power thanks to this other faction that they built called the Hunters. This is a faction of hired like black ops, like assassins, who would track down and kill any of these turned beasts in the dead of night. We want to address the allegations (laughs) (laughs) that our blood magic is turning people into werewolf monsters. I want to to just point out that the the church is the bad guy. The church is the bad guy. Yeah. So the hunter hunter faction was led by a man named Garman, who we met, who's the the man in the hunter's dream, um, who led operations in his hunter's workshop, which is located just underneath the cathedral ward. After a while, though, the beast scourge became too much for the church to handle, especially after hunters also began to succumb to it. And so Garman and his hunters were decommissioned, and the healing church went all Resident Evil 2 on, and straight up burned Old Yarnum to the ground. So Old Yarnum became this kind of, like I said, this patient zero. Um, a new faction of hunters outside of Garman's group started appearing, led by a man named Ludwig, who were literally just like hired killers. Um, they were they were just this like band of psychopaths roaming, roaming around, just murdering people. Sure. And uh, Garman, meanwhile, was left without a purpose. Um, after that, the Healing Church shut their doors and left the rest of Yarnum to fend for themselves, while they continued conducting experiments hidden in the secret upper reaches of the cathedral ward. Um, there is a second, another group of faction that the healing church that we'll learn about later called the choir. And this is the dark science sect of the healing church, but we'll talk about them here in a bit. Hmm. Meanwhile, so that's the healing church. Meanwhile, master Willem and his scholars continued attempting to make contact with the old ones. Willem's great revelation was that to see the truth one must line their brain with eyes in order to expand their intellect. Oh, oh, yeah. Willem. And and oh. this is where this is where eyes come in, both metaphorically and literally. <laughs> um, you know, these, this idea. So this goes back to the Eldritch truth, the Elder truth, or the seeing seeing what's not there, or seeing what the what the human brain is not able to comprehend. Right. Yeah. So this 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 preventing or this uh, permeating idea that adding eyes. Is to is adding eyes to your brain or adding like eyes as the as the ability to see more, right? Yeah, yeah. Some some took that metaphorically, some took that literally, aka Ooh, the oh, witch of Hemwick. Right. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, we also see later 
there are a number of monsters that have like eyes in their mouths and eyes like all in like weird places. Like eyes show up everywhere. <clears throat> it's something. Um, but also eyes are really important because you'll notice that most of this game's NPCs don't ha- are, ha- are blindfolded. And this was a thing in this world. The, the, the clear tell of the blood, the blood uh, scourge, the beast scourge, was uh, blood uh, bloodstained eyes, mm. um, uh, like red uh, like red eyes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. people wore people covered their eyes all the time, so they you know couldn't tell, or straight up gouged out their eyes because they wanted eyes in the back of their heads or whatever. Sure. So yeah. Whatever. Eyes, that's 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 where eyes come. Now Willem was eventually successful, but his discovery actually let just led to more questions without answers. It was a real lost situation. <laughs> um, <laughs> Willem, Willem became enlightened enough to become aware of Rom, which is the vacuous spider that we fight at the bottom of the lake. Um, but Rom is in herself a paradox. Rom is the vacuous spider. It mean, by vacuous, it means she is entirely incomprehensible, or, or rather, entirely un- unintelligent. So this, this great cosmic old one who becomes real, can't communicate, can't speak, is an idiot. Is a complete idiot yeah, god. Yeah. Rom is an idiot god. Huh. Rom Rom is essentially a if God was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's just like she's real cute. <laughs> she's real nice, but it's like you birth you did all this work to to birth to, a, to birth a god and you made a dog. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um pretty fun so that's why i think i find rom is really interesting so like rom represents like the the monkey's paw of willem's you know like willem sought answers and only got more questions yeah um willem was driven mad uh, to the point of incoherent babbling so now this is i want to talk about a different faction that spun out off out of bergenworth now this next faction is going to be the primary antagonist of the second half of the game um, and this is the School of Mensis, M-E-N-S-I-S. So a lot of those that did not leave with Lawrence became frustrated with Willem's, stubborn, Willem's stubbornness and decided to go their own way to commune, commune with an old one. And they discovered the power to do so in dreams. So this led to the, the founding of the School of Mensis, which was led by a man named Mikolash. Mikolash found a way to make contact with old ones in a shared dreamlike subconscious. And like I said, the rest of, result of their investigations will serve as the setting for the back half of Bloodborne. The real fucked up part. Oh, we haven't gotten there oh, yet? Wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got a coat. We got people people cutting out their eyes to, to, <laughs> to talk to God, and we're not at the real fucked up part yet. So before we continue on the story, uh, Sorry, I do want to highlight. To you're good. You're good. Um, I want to highlight one of the game's core mechanics, which is actually pretty well hidden from the player until about this point. So anytime you enter a new area, except for the first, or you kill a boss, you see a number tick up on the top right of your screen, right below the blood echoes, and it's uh, notated by the icon of an eye. You don't know what that is. You just it's just there. That number goes up every once in a while. Well, that resource is called insight. 
and and it's it's only real per- it only has two purposes of the game. Its first purpose is it acts as a sort of a secondary currency. You can buy some um, vanity uh, cosmetic stuff mm. at in the hub with insight. And there's actually a consumable item that you can pick up throughout the game that gives yourself more insight. It's an eye. It's it's an eye. You oh, can consume uh, eyes yeah. to get okay. more insight. Oh, okay. Oh, yum. That sure. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy. I guess like never mind. Um, the but the other main mechanic that insight serves is it actually allows your character to see certain things in the world. So when we come back to the cathedral ward and we see that skyscraper sized that creature, it's called a, an amygdala, like like the like the brain function yeah. amygdala. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that skyscraper sized amygdala, there's they're littered everywhere. Like when you walk around the cathedral ward, there it's crawling with them. They're all in the background, and it's like it's really unsettling. Um, but you learn that they were there the whole time. It's just that you don't have enough insight to see. Oh, them. you've not eaten huh. enough eyeballs. You've yeah. not eaten enough. And yeah. so this is like your game sanity meter, essentially. So if this were like Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and there's a bunch of things in this game that are affected by your numeric value of your insight. Hmm. The more insight hmm. you have, the more shit you see. Like after a certain amount of insight, you start to see eyeballs on the uh, the lanterns. Like the lanterns look like uh. kind of messed up, right? Um, that that takes us back to all the way back to the beginning. Remember we met that doll, that doll that was inanimate, and then all of a sudden we came back. She was uh, she was alive. That's because we got one insight from killing that first boss. Oh, mm. and she was yeah. So okay, ins- insight is this. Yep, insight is this hidden mechanic. That that turns this into a whole like sanity meter without you even knowing it. So as you continue to play the game, you see more and more fucked up shit. Your insight grows, and then you're like, "Holy cow, this was here the whole time, right?" Yeah. So you're you're experiencing that elder truth along with the player or the character. It's really neat. So taking down Rom is like that final veil to the elder truth or the eldritch truth. Um, and that's that's why like all bets are off. We start to see all this wild shit that was there the whole time. Sure. If you went and like beefed up your insight, you can see this stuff before you kill Rom. But like once you kill Rom, it's all bets are off. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. So that's Act Two. So let's talk about the Nightmare of Mensis. So we eventually continue down through a previously unlocked section of Yarnum to a brand new area called Yahargul, the Unseen Village. Now, this area was a separate sect created by the School of Mensis that served as their kind of HQ and residences. Mensis, again, not a good, per- not a good group, as you could probably imagine. Uh, no one here is a hero. Uh, Mensis was no less compassionate or subtle about their ex- experimentation than the Healing Church was. Um, and that is shown very clearly in this first part of this area, which is a sprawling prison complex. Now, there's... I should note, I didn't want to note this earlier because it would have been a little bit too much, but there's a part earlier in the game before, um, around the time you fight Amelia, the big dog lady, um, (laughs) where you can encounter this kind of lanky humanoid figure um, draped in a hood and cloak. He's wheeling like a burlap sack like it's a club. Um, This dude hits like a truck and he can karate kick you um, and, and and he can down you in two hits. If you get killed by him, you actually trigger a cutscene where you are being taken to this prison section of Yahargul before you can actually get there. Um, but oh. at this point, you're not seeing all the like crazy amygdalas and shit. So image 18 is the bag man. The bag oh. man? The I don't bag know. Their, 
That's what that's what people call them. I don't know. I, I feel don't like remember what I think I've is. heard of the Bagman. That is yeah. that is some like old folklore. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's, it's very um, it's very uh, Krampus esque. It is yes. very Krampus. Yeah, and and we find this is this is the Bagman are literally like kidnapping us, like they kidnapped citizens of Yarnum and took them to serve as part of these like crazy experiments. Oh. That's fucked up. Yeah, it is. So, what happens if you like? Do you like jump to this point in the game? Yeah, if you you kind of do. So it's really interesting. Okay. There's there's a couple points like this where you can go to certain sections early, and there's like little walled off areas that you can do before you're supposed to be there. And and again, like that's this whole game does this really interesting thing is like if you want to find what the flip is, you can find hints to it if you look hard sure, enough. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll explain. So you can um you can fight this thing called a dark beast, which is like an electrified scorpion or something. But there's all this lore about the dark beasts and they were like another type of dark science or whatever. But um you you go through like one third of Yahargul and it's all sectioned off. You can revisit it later. Um, but they like the enemies are really tough. But you you can grind pretty easily there so, as well. So mm. it's it's neat. You mm. know, high risk, high reward. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So much like old Yarnum, the goal of this area is to make your way from rooftop to rooftop down to the street level. Um, and again, you're kind of like old Yarnum. You're weaving in and out of decaying buildings and other monuments. But except this time, you're getting shot by literal lasers. <laughs> oh, because oh. the amygdalas also can shoot lasers. Sure. Lasers. No, they're just like lasers. They're just cosmic lasers. <laughs> oh, now. okay. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, I said magic doesn't exist, but it definitely does in the form of like elder eldritch. Cosmic it's an eldritch. Things. It's an eldritch yeah. blast. It's literally an eldritch blast. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to call out one particular enemy that comes up uh, when you hit the street level. You are the streets are teeming with these like carts made of shambling corpses that are all kind of glued together. Um, and they try to grab you with their various claws and tendrils. That's image nineteen. Ooh, yeah. Ah, got it. There's, there there's are a, a lot ton of, of these guys. Monsters in this <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of corpse blobs. Yeah. Um, your is filled with corpse blobs, and um, your hargul is especially harrowing because while its design and structures are very similar to Yarnum, as you get down and you start to dive in, you start to see stuff that's like even more like not right um it's uniquely horrifying because you at the bottom you see like lined around the walls are these like petrified stone statues of hundreds of people like lined up kind of like the aftermath of pompeii like they're oh, like, yeah. like yeah, yeah. Hmm. um <clears throat> and you move down and there's just like more of these like huddled masses after being chased down the street by like two dozen of these shambling corpse carts we come across this section's end boss, the One Reborn, which is just a bigger, more grotesque mess of corpses all mashed together. Um, image twenty, it's a little bit, a little comprehensible to figure out. It's just a big horse made of corpses. <laughs> yeah, you, you see it there with the lid yeah. on the front. So, so this is this was kind of the the draft, the rough draft of the Mensa of School of Mensis, in that. They uh, just kind of mashed a bunch of dead corpses together and tried to re like tried to like reanimate them as old ones. Like and you, you do. said, you said horse. Is that what you meant? That this yeah. that this thing moves like a horse. It's, it kind of moves like a horse. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> um, this is very um the 
to tie it back to go back to my frame point yeah. of reference magic the gathering um the shadows over innistrad set the second time they went to add innistrad also brought magic's eldritch monstrosity to that mm-hmm. set and did a lot of this did a lot of like oh this is just a a blob of masses a, bo- yeah. a blob of bodies now um and, and look anything is an old one if you want it wish that hard if, if you want if you slap be, enough eyes yeah. on it yeah <clears throat> mm-hmm. 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 so now mm-hmm. we learned what probably happened to all those kidnapped villagers not great not great um after defeating the one reborn we continue on to what looks like the central t- chamber of town um up the stairs through this building that's like kind of like a capital of the building um and we see quite the site which is a looks like looks like a senate room filled with corpses wearing this two foot high bird cage around their heads all sitting in a semicircle. And image 21 is a screen grab of that moment oh whoa yeah 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 it's it's something uh so this is the this is the school of mensis and um they these cages that they put their heads in that they lock their heads in were supposed to you know evolve their shared subconscious so they would they would draw on the like power of these these glued together corpses and like channel that into this shared dream state where they would all commune with eldritch horrors in a dream world. Ah, okay. <laughs> so that's that's the that's the pitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is when we initiate the the last major section of the game, which is called the Nightmare of Mensis. And again, it's the night. This is the shared subconscious reality that the school of Mensis created to commune with an old one. Right. So right. we touch. We touch the central figure. We learn this is the corpse of Mikolash, which is the leader of this group. Um. The on the other side of the loading screen, we find ourselves in this unidentified. It's just called lecture hall. Um. And what this is is a dream version of the Bergenworth School. Um, the dream version of the Bergenworth school is being patrolled by some very goopy students. Image 22. <laughs> That's, they I, are you know goopy. they're a student because they're wearing graduation robes. Yeah, he's got his, his cap and gown cap and on, gown. Mm-hmm. but he's just goopy. They're very goopy. Um, while in the dream Bergenworth, we find a couple of interesting research notes that mention the Red Moon, which is what happened after we killed Rom. We saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mentioning the red, denoting the red moon as pale blood. So pale red, pale blood. So pale blood. Remember from way back in the beginning of the game when it was like seek the pale blood. That's the red moon. Um, okay. Also, we get a note about three thirds of a chord. The note is calling out three thirds of a chord. We do not know what that means yet. Okay. Um, right. Also, we meet up with patches because patch because I- remember patches is here. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Patches is the guy that always shows up in Dark Souls games to kick you off a ledge. He's here, and this time he's a spider. <laughs> and does he's he kick, 23. Does he kick you off a ledge? He doesn't, because he's a spider, and he can't oh, kick. Okay. okay. Well, he, you he kicks you off eight five? ledges. Like, why is... He's just... <laughs> he's just... He's just... So, FromSoft games have a couple recurring things in them. 
Patches is a character that showed up in Demon Souls that people really liked and thought were, was funny. And he showed up again in Dark Souls and he just has a joke. He shows up in all the games. Um, another thing that From Software always does is they put they pull in this item from a game they made way back when, an old, old RPG they made. Um, the item is called the Moonlight Great Sword, and it also makes an appearance in all their games. And it's also an, they're both also in Elven Ring, and it's like a thing. Okay. It makes more sense here where we're dealing with like interdimensional yeah, and it's monster, like monster, yeah. it's gods, it's one of those like, things like patches is kind of like Mr. Bean where he's me or he may or may not be a Nexus <laughs> being. <laughs> it's fine. It's fun. It's patches. He's a spider. Whatever. It's, don't it's don't patches. think too much about it. Yeah. So we get out of this short exposition area and we walk through a door that leads us to a cave because this is a dream um, outside of and this cave is outside of a towering fortress. Now, this is the last, like, major, like, main section of the game, so things ramp up pretty big here. It's also very frustrating. This level is hard, um, but, it's, but it's very iconic. Um, so there's this status effect. There's a bunch of status effects, like poison, whatever. There's this particular status effect in the game called Frenzy, and it doesn't show up, in, it, save for just a few specific sections, but here's one of them. Frenzy just does damage over time, and... You and it is it is um, iconographed or it's telegraphed by these massive like uh, stakes like red stakes through your head <laughs> like they just appear through your oh. head. Oh, and and then uh, it's it's a meter that goes up, and once it goes up, it does like half of your health bar. Oh, oh it does okay. wow. massive damage, and that meter like is like a build up meter, so it doesn't just like s- immediately stop. Um, so there's like a little bit of momentum there. So it's, it's really, it's, it can, it can be a hard mechanic to understand. And, and like, you can get, you can get zapped like pretty quick if you're not paying attention. Sure. Sure. Um, there's this section here where you start to get, you start to accumulate frenzy and there's this like light that appears from the tower. And every time you're in line of sight with this light, you start to get frenzy and you're like, I don't know what's happening, but so it's kind of this like mad dash behind uh, to like rock rock out cliff to rocky out cliff to like make it to this tower before you accumulate too much frenzy and just like ex- your head explodes mm. um, by the time you get up to the tower though it does att- ultimately become clear what is causing the frenzy it is a giant brain chained up looking at the ground like the eye of Sauron in image 24 whoa great okay yeah <laughs> So that's the brain of Mensis. <laughs> do you do you, are you in the game? Are you do you crush the brain with your wagon wheel? You don't crush the brain with your wagon wheel, but you can um, you can pull a lever and drop the drop the brain into an endless pit, which is oh, pretty okay. satisfying. That sounds pretty satisfying. Yeah. Does it um, scream? Is it no? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, now, frenzy as a mechanic comes back in a mean way. With another another iconic enemy in this game called the Winter Lanterns, the Winter Lanterns are like shambling zombies that have huge pulsating brains where their heads should be, and those brains are also covered in eyes, and those <laughs> and those brains are hiding two mouths that like are aimed downwards. They look like pterodactyl mouths. Um, now, similar to the Brain Tower, if you maintain a light of sight with a Winter Lantern, it'll quickly build up your frenzy meter, and your head expl- will explode. Also, it will like grab you because it's because uh, its course it has tentacles, 
and it yeah. will suck you. Sure. Like, well, a, of like course, a, it has tentacles. Yeah. yeah right. It'll 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 drain your it'll drain your brain. Um, now, one thing this game does not tell you that frenzy buildup is actually a direct relation to how much insight you have, because again, the the more your your mind is open, mm-hmm. the more easier. So frenzy is like sanity. That is your actual yeah. sanity. Sure. Um. And it in the game never tells you that. So at this point, you probably have a bunch of insight because you've killed bosses, you've entered new areas. Unless you've used that to that's, unless you've spent that currency currency on purpose, you are getting lit up left and right. You have no idea why. Hmm. Um. Anyway, the Winter Lanterns are image twenty five, and there's something to behold. Yeah. Yeah. Real Not mind, totally unlike the that brain. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. See, this is my complaint when artists and designers are like. We have to create a monster that's beyond human fathomability. They yeah. end up with blob monsters, and we're, well, we're starting mm. to hit max capacity on blob I'm gonna, monsters. I'm going to argue that point just a little bit because I think so. The winter lanterns are interesting because the winter there's there's a lot of speculation. So notice how the bat the bottom half of the winter lanterns look like it's a tattered dress, and they look uh-huh. like the doll. There is a lot of speculation that the winter lanterns are actually the whatever the user perceives as something that's safe um Mm. so the winter lanterns are imperceivable and just appear as something that's familiar to the to the person who's perceiving it in this case the doll the doll represents your only friend in this world the one that's like always safe and like that's like your levels you you up and levels you up yeah. yeah Um, but like it really fucks you up when you see something that you think is like on your side that's like sucking your brain dry. Um, there are also um there are also straight up um mind flayers in this game too. And again, oh, okay. like they're an enemy that like they're hidden, but if you find the mind flayer, like is that a mind flayer? What's what's happening here? But so, yeah. but yeah, I don't I don't disagree with your comment, Matt. This one in particular, I think there's interesting lore to counter that. But there are there are also a lot of blob monsters, yeah. i.e., goopy students. Have you seen evidence of like what they look like if you have don't have insight? What these purely speculation? Are... No. Okay. Okay. No. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so we climb the tower. Um, we see other horrors such as a room with giant spiders with very human heads with bowl cuts. <laughs> Um, which is, I don't have a picture for, but that exists about halfway can, up though. Can make it up in my, in my mind. You can, yeah. you, can, yeah. you can cross that gap about halfway up though. We come face to face with the lead creator of the nightmare and the head honcho of Mensis, Mikolash, host of the nightmare. And this is image 26. He's just a man. He's oh, just man a with a cage yeah. on his head. Okay. Yeah. Cage on his head. So, yep. So this is Bloodborne's puzzle boss. Um, you've heard me use the term puzzle boss before. Uh, the the deal with Mikolash is you have to chase him through a maze that repeats, kind of like the Lost Woods in Ocarina of Time or the Endless Staircase in Mario 64, right? It's mm-hmm. like you go up and you find yourself down, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very dreamy weemy, right? Um, Mik- Mikolash also shows off some of the game's more ludicrous arcane abilities, like he summons tentacles with his right arm. Um, he he does the he explodes tiny meteors from his brain, which are all things that you can do. Remember when I talked about the hunter tools as like the type of magic? There are yeah. so there are these yeah. there are these hunter tools that you can find in the back half of the game that are are cosmic artifacts. So the one of them is the the tentacle thing is actually a a shell of an old one's like parasite 
that you like hold in your hand and it summons a tentacle from like another dimension, interdimensional tentacle. I'm pretty sure that is a D&D ability as well. Feels right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's very like the deep, the sorcerer of the deep flavor. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah, great. You know, old that one. subclass. Yeah. yeah. Great old one shit. Um, yeah. So Mikolash is a really cool boss fight. And when you kill him, um, he, he screams out in anguish. No, I'm going to wake up now and I'll forget everything. Oh, um, no. Yeah. So he's, you know, that's like, this is again, they're, they've all been driven mad with this, this, uh, just drive to learn about the uh, the secrets of the universe. Um, so we kill Mikolash, and that allows us to continue climbing up the tower. All the while, we hear a baby crying in the distance the further up we go. At the top of the tower, we see that woman again, uh, the woman in white from the cutscene after killing Rom, and that cut another cutscene triggers, and we see an empty baby carriage. There are echoes of a baby crying can be heard everywhere, but there's nothing in the baby carriage. Um, that's when this formless robed figure descends down from high to stand between us and the carriage, when the t- which the title card tells us is Murgo's wet nurse, which is a oh. flapping mass of cloth and knives. Oh, I'm not excited oh, to no. look for this. Nope. <laughs> image 27. All right. It could have been worse. It just looks like a, another like Death Eater from Harry Potter, but yeah. it's got a bunch of sides. <laughs> Honey, I need you to call my wet nurse again. (laughs) (laughs) So killing Murgo's wet nurse ends the nightmare and awards us with the key item, one third of an umbilical cord. Oh, Oh, Oh. that's just what I always wanted. (laughs) It is is the weirdest way to describe a three piece puzzle key, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, so that is, the item description tells us that that is part of an umbilical cord of a stillborn old one. Hmm. Neat. I, I see what we're doing here. Yeah. Right. We, we then return, so now, now the nightmare is complete. We return to the hunter's dream, and we see that the workshop is actively on fire, um, and now can tackle the final boss, or do some optional content. Let's do optional some optional content, content, y'all. Optional mm-hmm. content. All right, so there's one I really wish I could get far more into, but we just don't have time. Um, if you return to Hemlock with a key item, you can go to Castle Canehurst, which is really like one of the coolest parts of the game. Um, this is a Castlevania-ass castle um, that's home to the Vilebloods. Guess what? The Vilebloods are cool vampires. <laughs> nice. You know what? We hadn't had vampires yet, had we? Yeah, we had to try. We had to check that box. Yeah. Um, so the va- the the, the vile bloods were hunted to near extinction by a version of the church, a sect of the church led by a man named Ligarius. Remember Alfred from uh, Big Wheel Alfred? Yeah. Uh, yeah so that's, that's Ligarius. Ligarius, Ligarius is, uh, stands at the top of the castle protecting his one singular prisoner from anyone who might want to overthrow him or take his prey. Um, so Ligarius' group is the one that Alfred, or sorry, the vile bloods is who Alfred is looking for. And there's a part where you can actually choose to side with Alfred, or you could pledge fealty to the vampire queen, uh, Annalise. The vampire queen is better. Let's all get yeah, let's all guess what Andrew did. <laughs> Do you pledge fealty to the the vampire queen every time? I don't have a picture <laughs> yeah. of Annalise, actually. I mean, there's a whole Resident Evil game that just yeah. revolves around the the spooky horror lady yeah i mean she's yeah. just a lady with a mask she's wearing a mask so you don't actually see her face so there's not much to see there um but she's cool 
Um, otherwise, if you partner with Alfred, uh, you can watch Alfred um, grind Annalise's body to a bloody pulp with his dumb, stupid wheel. Oh. So okay. that comes back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Castle Kanehurst. Very cool. Um, another co- optional content is we can go to the previously locked Upper Cathedral Ward and learn more about the church's dark science team, the choir. Now, while there, we come across a fucked up orphanage full of failed old one babies, more goopy monsters, and other means to which they tried making more old ones, like the Celestial Emissaries, which are image 28. These are little alien men. Yeah, little... Little fat little, alien, little stumpy alien men. Little alien men is, yep. They got E.T. fingers and... Yep. Yep. Uh, finally, at the heart of the Upper Cathedral Ward lies the Grand Cathedral itself, the upper chamber of the Grand Cathedral. You can, you could, you can see down the, that altar where we fought Vicar Amelia and Lawrence's skull rests. Um, and then we can go past the cathedral, behind the cathedral, and we find the real source, the man behind the curtain, the source of all the church's weird shit, the old one who was left to remain, who is there in captivity, Ibriatus or Ibritas, Daughter of the Cosmos, image 29. This is a oh. real-life Pokemon. Like, if you're on that, that corner of TikTok where, <laughs> yeah. where they take Pokemon yeah. and make them horrifyingly real, that's what this is. Yeah, it's just a, it's a big series of, of mods. Of, of this is, tubes and, and yeah, mods. This is just tenons, like a legendary yeah. dog or like a legendary <laughs> eel. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's finding Entei. Ente. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is cool. Another little area tucked away in the cathedral ward, hidden way down, buried deep within a tower. Um, after a series of time jumps and position falls, we find a place that looks just like the hunter's dream, but it's the actual real-life hunter's workshop in the waking world. Hmm. In the waking world, though, it's been abandoned for several years and is deteriorated beyond use. Another one thing, we, another thing we do find, though, is another third of umbilical cord. Oh, oh, good. Getting there. Just one so, more. I'll put two down. Put that there's, actually, there's, there's actually two more in the game, but I forget where they are, and it's not important. So once we clean up all the side work, it's time to return to the hunter's dream. There we talk to Garman, who tells us the purpose of the dream has been fulfilled, and it's time to, quote, wake up. And by wake up, he means, of course, sever our tie to this dream, so then when we die in the real world, we die for real. <laughs> because oh. until this point, obviously, we've been trapped in this cycle of the hunter's dreams every time we die we come back in the hunter's dream to to reboot sure so sure we 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 can die one last time in the real world if we accept he just kills us straight up with his scythe and we wake up in yarnum as sunlight rises and the credits roll however if we decide to challenge this fate garman says nah nah dog over my dead body and we get our final boss fight with garman because he gets up and he's He's cool, and he's got a he's got a cool gun scythe, and you do a final oh. boss fight with Garman, which is much like it's kind of echoes back to the Father Gascoigne fight. This is another like hunter fight, but it's you know hunter fight on steroids, and it's again this is the final test and like testing you in all the hunter skills. It's a very good fight. Andrew, have you answered a debate this question with Garman before? I feel like I've heard gun scythe before today. Gun scythe it does sound familiar. Yeah. It feels like something I've probably said in the past. Okay. Okay. Um. If after we take out Gehrman, the pale red moon rises and with it another old one. And this is a new one. This is a new old one. 
<laughs> it's much like the old one. Great. Uh, this it's is a great old one. one. This is a new old one. <laughs> this is the moon presence, the entity behind the hunter's dream. Image 30. This is why I called Zack Inks the moon presence. Yeah, that's ah. dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another Pokemon. That's the <laughs> alien one with the helix arms. Yeah, that's, that's a Deoxys for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's what I yeah. said. So we commune, we commune with the moon, the moon presence, and then an ending plays where we fill Garman's role to bring in new hunters to the dream, and the cycle begins anew. And we see the doll rolling us out on the wheelchair, mm. and we are we are the oh. slave. We are the slave of the moon presence. There's a really cool scene, and not it's pretty hard. It's easy to miss, but. You you learn that Garman is trapped in this dream because if one of the times you come back to the hunter's dream, there's a rare chance that you can find him out in the fields sleeping, and he's muttering to himself, and he's like, "Please wake me from this nightmare, please. I I can't anymore." And he's like he's like crying, like oh, like he's like moaning in his sleep. It's really it's something. Um, it sounds like yeah. something. Uh, it's uh, yeah. So he's trapped. He's a prisoner in this nightmare. And you complete the cycle, and now you are the trapped along with the moon presence. However, there is a <laughs> hidden, there's a hidden third ending. So hey, guys, remember how we were getting all those, all those uh, thirds of um, umbilical cords? And oh, you were yeah. apparently batting what point six six on uh, on umbilical yeah, cords. Umbilical cords yeah. yeah. So there's actually four <laughs> umbilical cords you can get throughout the game, um, which is weird because there's only because it's cutting up in thirds, but I don't thirds, know how that math yeah. works. Just so that means there's just another two thirds of an umbilical need, cord just lying around. Do you need all four, or is it just you like don't. you get? You just you need can three. Skip, so, you could, so you can skip one. You need get. three. Okay. You get one through the story, so three other ones are from side content. And it's basically it's finishing, finishing massive massive story side quests. The thing is, it's not just having them in your inventory. What makes this a hidden ending is you actually have to consume the umbilical cords. Oh, that's, that's why they give you the an extra ones. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you obtain at least three thirds of umbilical cord and consume them before triggering the Garman fight, you can you are able to resist the moon presence president and instead fight it as the final final boss fight, which is not as cool of a boss fight, but still neat. So that's the hidden secret boss fight. After you defeat the moon presence, the ending that triggers shows you, in fact, reborn as an official infant old one. We have successfully ascended in image 31. We become the little slug. You are a, an eggplant oh. squid is what <laughs> yeah. that is. Yeah. But that's different than Rom because you're sentient, right? Like you have sure. sentience. You're not, you're not yeah. an idiot god like Rom. Well, don't put limits on me, Andrew. Maybe I want to be an idiot god. <laughs> and that's Bloodborne. <laughs> Weird. Wow. Huh. I, yeah. I wouldn't have called the being reborn as an old one. Yeah. As an ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Dark Souls type ending. It sure is. Yeah. So... Now we get to, I want to talk a little bit about the DLC, the Old Hunters. As I, as I mentioned, as I set up, the DLC really kind of ties this together in a little bit more of a neater bow. Um, but before I do that, I want to talk a, a little bit more about what was going on with this moon presence thing. So, all, sorry, um, we revealed that among all of these factions trying to commune with and recreate old ones. We've got Bergenworth, the Healing Church, Mensis, 
Garamond and the Hunters actually represent this fourth faction, the one to which our player character is, is kind of cursed and tied to. So Garamond, after being decommissioned from the church, devoid of purpose, called out to the old ones and re- actually received a response. He received a response from the Moon Presence, which we assume is the most um, chaotic of all the other old ones to point. Like a lot of the other old ones are pretty neutral, but the Moon Presence is like actually evil. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the Moon Presence, in a very monkey's paw, answered his wish. And, but concocted this endless cycle that would forever churn and burn and give hunters something to hunt, but um, basically like would just recreate hunters forever in this endless cycle. Um, the thing that they were giving them, it was giving them to hunt, were other old ones and threats to its existence, i.e., the beasts mm. and things. So your purpose was to hunt the um, the the nightmare, the the old one that you slain, which is the. The visage of the Murgo's wet nurse, which is kind of Murgo, the stillborn baby of Yarnum, it's unclear. Doesn't matter. We we were we were working for the devil the whole yep, time without much. knowing it. Okay. Without knowing okay. it. Okay. Yeah. This is this is that descent into Avernus type flip where it's like, oh shit, mm. like somebody signed a contract for me in blood and yeah. I wasn't aware yeah. of it. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got Todd back. back, <laughs> <Yeah>. back Todd. <laughs> yeah. So something else that happened is it's not just this didn't just create the hunter's dream. This created a subsect of the dream called the hunter's nightmare, which is what happens where hunters go when they don't do the thing. Um, and instead, they, ins- they go insane with bloodlust. And this is this kind of like pocket dimension special hell for hunters that where they get to go because every hunter is cursed to live it, their existence in the hunter's nightmare. Cool. So we acquire a key item. Uh, that is key it, item is it more umbilical cord? No, it's another eye. <laughs> oh, that's this my is, second guess. And we're going back to eyes. This, this is the eye of a blood drunk hunter. Um, by acquiring this key item, we can enter the separate instance content that is the hunter's nightmare. After arriving in the nightmare, we see some obtuse, or we hear some obtuse exp, exp, as expositionary dialogue expository dialogue that talks about a curse to the fiends and their children and their children's children, which were like, we're not the monsters, of course. No. Spoiler, we're the monsters. Um, So we arrive in a version of the cathedral ward that looks familiar, but the ground is tangled with these like huge gnarled roots. Um, Buildings in the distance appear like kind of melted together and are just like, you know, jutting out at impossible angles, right? It's a dream. Yeah. The inception, the inception plane. Exactly. Patrolling all around this area, we see tons of these like nameless hunters all just fighting each other on in this like, you know, again, saying purgatory. <laughs> where they're just like <laughs> fighting each other forever. Um, we continue past the hordes of crazed hunters through to the Grand Cathedral, the one where we originally fight Vicar Amelia um, in the waking world. But in this dream nightmare world, um, well, I should say on the in the real world, that altar had Lawrence's deformed skull. But instead, he it's just him here lying on the altar. He's a cleric beast also. Oh, all right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, we don't fight him, though. He's dead. That's fine. He's sleeping, I think. We fight him later. <laughs> He's an optional boss later. Um, gotcha. Instead, we continue back behind the church, and we go through a vaguely familiar version of now Central Yarn. So we're going through the game in reverse. But we're like kind of weaving in and out of buildings. But eventually we come to a couple bridges overseeing this like long river of blood. 
we hop down and we follow that river of blood through some, you know, aqueducts and some channels, whatever, some, some caves. And we finally get to the mouth of this river, which sits our first DLC boss. And what people consider to be the highlight of this and the base game, which is Ludwig the Accursed. Ludwig, Ludwig, excuse me. Ludwig, you may remember, is the leader of this um, this kind of like second sect of hunters that wasn't Garman's group. Yeah. Um, and he is kind of acting as the like Cerberus and the River Styx of this hunter's hell purgatory and just like killing hunters f- forever and creating this river of blood that flows downstream. Uh, he's huh. image 32 and it's, it's, He's a horse demon with the second yeah. mouth that's also eyes. Yeah, yep. that's yep. the only way to describe this. Yep. <laughs> you, you got it, Andrew. <laughs> Nailed it in one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ludwig also does the not my final form thing. And once he gets to half his health, that triggers him to stand upright um, with his horse legs. And he finds his beloved Moonlight Greatsword, which you check that box. And uh, which and we fight Ludwig with his the Ludwig the Holy Blade with his Moonlight Greatsword. Oh, um, it's a cool boss fight. It's really good. I linked the the cutscenes of both of those setups. They're worth watching. They're thirty seconds long. So uh, yeah, we continue down here, and you'll see my notes are very sparse because I ran out of time. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk you through from my from memory the rest of the stuff that happens. So after this, we go through this little clinic. We fight a couple more hunters. We uh, ride an elevator down, and we find ourselves in a new area um, that's called the research hall. And it's kind of this like library archives, almost like a hospital looking kind of place. It's very interesting. Um, we walk through and we're at the bottom of this like huge tower, right? And we see this 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 humanoid figure with a big meat glob on its head, kind of messing or you know, kind of like looking around in the water. And it's this this woman who's saying, I've dropped have you seen my eyes? I've dropped my eyes. This is image 33. My eyes. Oh. I can't <laughs> see anything without my eyes. <laughs> Look with your special eyes. <laughs> My brand. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. it's it's in in universe Velma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if Velma had a had a a massa massa meat on her on her head, well, yeah, her head of course. Be. That's what the in universe covers, mm-hmm. Andrew. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we learn that these are um these are test subjects. These are the choirs, the Healing Church choirs, test subjects. So through as we go up this tower, we see more and more of these like head crab type figures. And they're not winter lanterns. Those aren't brains. They're just these like hunks of meat, basically. Um, what they did, and you hear some of them, they'll say like, plip plop, plip plop, drip drop. And they're like clearly going insane, right? What that is, is they were, um, they were like put in this like, cage and they're 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 like this like sensory deprivation mask and given sounds of water and they are trying to get them to commune with the deep like literally like the the to to communicate with the deep ocean and they all went crazy because this is torture yeah right yeah so that's something that is Um, something we get up to the top of this this platform and uh there's another part 
of this where you can find a secret area where um, you fight more of those blue aliens, but they look a little bit different. They look like they look like the giants from Majora's Mask. And we learned that so those blue aliens are actually the the output of all of these test subjects. So these are these are them trying to create these celestial cosmic beings, essentially. Sure. Um, so we keep hearing about like the original sin, and you know we're we're going back in time further and further to find out like how did this happen? Like where did this start? Why did why is this? Why are all these like test subjects here? How are they like? What are they experimenting on? Where did this come from? So we make it up to the top of the tower and we find ourselves in the back end of a clock tower. Inside the clock tower is a woman, um, a woman dressed like you, like Hunter. She's wearing the iconic Hunter's um, tricorn hat. Her name is Lady Maria. Um, she's really cool. She has a sweet sword and there's another cool Hunter fight that people like a lot. That's image 35. Maria is basically like the last line of defense guarding you, trying to... to guard people in this nightmare from seeing the thing that she doesn't want people to see, which is the final area of the Old Hunters DLC, which is called Fishing Hamlet. So we kill Maria and we walk through... I'm sorry, that was image 34. You probably looked at the image of the fish man. I, I knew... I, I, knew right. what, hat. I knew what you were going yeah, for. Yeah, I knew yeah, what you same. meant. I didn't want to... I didn't want to interrupt your, I, your flow there. I appreciate the interrupting, not interrupting the flow. So when you beat Maria, we go through the clock tower and we find ourselves in this, this area called Fishing Hamlet. And this Fishing Hamlet is a quiet little fishing village that's just littered with these weird fishmen. They kind of look like Sahagin, but they're like way more fucked up than Sahagin. And they like, there's like, there's a few like hulking shark hulks like shark beasts as well like there's it's it's all fishmen all the way down um we find that this is the source of the original sin and we don't know what that original sin is until the end of the level so we start seeing all these like little parasites um we find ourselves at the back end of the fishing village we go we eventually make it to the shore and we find this body washed up on the on the ocean and what this is it looks like a beached whale but it's like uh it looks like just like the skin of a whale what this is is actually a dead old one that washed up on the shore so what happened here was and the original sin was a dead old one was found one day in this quiet little peaceful fishing village thinking that it was a whale this this the fisherman there they gutted it. They, you know, oh. they used it. They process used it mm. to process whale oil and stuff. Because again, this is like they're building, like making lanterns and shit, whatever. Mm-hmm. The timey wiminess is not clear. This is not historical fiction. May I remind you? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But then, <laughs> but then found that the parasites. There were these parasites growing inside the the whale, quote unquote, that were alive, and the parasites were imbuing with them these like special properties, and much like the healing blood. They were feeling rejuvenated and revived and, you know, all these things and started like becoming granting superhuman abilities. They start turning into fish people and like they could swim really great, you know, it was whatever. And like the, 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 the the village thrived and (laughs) essentially like created a cult and worshiped this elder God, this dead elder God. Well, eventually word you know, took this took word and people across the land found out about it. The healing church caught wind of it and sent Garman and Maria, 
who were the kind of like the number one and two of the hunters at the time. Garman and Maria led a, a team of hunters into the fishing hamlet and slaughtered everybody. They did a genocide. Oh. And and in order to because this was a cult, like they didn't want they were protecting their god. They were protecting sure. their god with their life. Sure. So they, yeah. they did a quick genocide and they found this body of this washed up old one. This old one is called Kos, K-O-S. Um, they found that Kos was also pregnant. Uh, because old ones like can become pregnant um with other like communing with other races. So Kos had become pregnant. They extracted the the kind of stillborn fetus inside Kos and then experimented on it. Ah, so they did. They did is. a dark science. So that'll, that'll do it. They used the the Kos fetus as its kind of the catalyst to try and like create more old ones, essentially. So this was the original sin that and like the 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 Kos in losing her child, losing her her fetus forever cursed the hunters the, the ch- and their children and their children's children to live this like unending nightmare and never escape this original sin. Pretty fucking cool. So yeah. the, yeah, the last boss of the old hunters is the representation, the manifestation of causes anger, which is called the orphan of cause, which is just this like screaming alien thing, this naked alien who uses its own umbilical cord as a saber? That's what I was gonna ask. Is that a sword yeah, we're gonna made ask out that? of? Well, not <laughs> yeah, right. Because I was gonna ask if it's a sword made out of like whale blubber, but umbilical cord is on more on theme, I guess. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, gross. That's bloodborne. That is gross. <laughs> that's bloodborne, baby. Said. Yeah, it's Chinatown, baby. Um, you were really right about DLC that added like good yeah. context yeah. and yes. a building block of the story. Like I think mm-hmm. DLC falls into, you know, a couple different pieces of like, it's a fun thing that attaches to the story, but doesn't change a lot. Or yeah. it's a fun additional, like add on to the game that again, like gives you some cool stuff, uh, but doesn't change a bunch yeah. or a, a thing that we patched that... in later because we realized we messed up. Yeah. And I think that this really threaded the needle of context yeah. after the game that kind of ties it all together. I think that's very cool. Yeah, it turns an 8 to a 10 for sure. Um, yeah, that's I know we we've we've seen a lot. We've heard a lot tonight. The the reality is there I mean there's a ton more here. I didn't have enough time to go through. There's some NPC stories that are really interesting. There's um, a lot of like interesting side stories. All the stuff about Castle Canehurst is really cool. Um, just like with Dark Souls on Note 2, there are a ton of good content creators out there. Um, Vati Vidya is, is far and beyond like the most popular Souls creator. Um, but there's other ones. Um, Zakix, who commissioned this, wanted me to mention Zuli the Witch. Um, Zuli the Witch does a lot of like, <clears throat> uh, they'll frame, they'll pause frames and they'll like, kind of break down the core components and try to look behind things and mm. like find like unused assets and stuff like that. People, there's a lot of people like trying to like crack open these games, which I like a lot. Um, TB Skyen is another one. Zach X suggests if you're interested in this, inter- in this content, they do a lot of shorts, like one minute shorts on YouTube. Um, I also used um, the brothers code uh, does like a good, like hour long front to back. What's the story here? 
um, as well as Smo Town, um, which is like the Smo from Smo and Ornstein Smo S M O U G H. Um, so some good some good content creators there if you are interested in this stuff. And uh, with that, I'm gonna call it a day. So uh, final thoughts, comments. This is cool, man. I enjoyed it. You know, I don't know that I'm going to play Bloodborne. And uh, maybe if we Fair. get insert number of patrons here <laughs> or whatever, then <laughs> I will play Bloodborne. But I Fair. think that the art is cool. I think that the story is cool. I also know that, you know, like multiple examples, like Overwatch or like halo the lore is not super inherent to the gameplay right, right. and so Correct. like as cool as this story is and as interesting as i find it i know that me going and playing bloodborne isn't going to yeah uh, necessarily immerse me in this storyline and so yeah 100 yeah you can en- you can enjoy this and that's the thing you can enjoy this content without playing the game if that's your thing and yeah. it's totally fine yeah, this is awesome. Um, I might try and play Bloodborne. <laughs> it's like ten. I looked. It's like ten dollars on the PlayStation Store right now. So like, yeah, if, I ever, if I ever, if I ever want to throw myself at a challenge of this yeah. scale, I might. Um, but also, I would spend fifteen hours trying to kill that. F- get get my first point of insight and kill that first boss, <laughs> like mastering the controls. So like, yeah. we'll see. Um, I said in the break, like this, this is a lot of what, um, Matt magic, the gathering was covering a lot of the same ground with, um, it's in sets at the time. Um, the first in set was a very like vampires, uh, werewolves and zombies type set. And the second in set was, oops, now there's Eldritch horrors here. And yeah, it's um, good. It's full of, of body blobs and stuff um it's very cool the the but this is like an r-rated version of that and it's it's very very cool stuff very cool story um and i like i like a lot of it to the point where i might throw myself at this impossibly hard game that i will be very bad at yeah i think this is one more property that falls into the story is incredibly cool and Mm -hmm. i will probably watch cinematics of playthrough <laughs> yep. will probably not play it myself i'll watch i'll watch kyle play it yeah perfect there we go all right well thanks everybody at home for listening in and debate this uh you can follow along with the arguments on twitter facebook and instagram at debate this cast or on our website at debatethiscast.com. and if you want to commission your own flavor text head on over to patreon.com slash debate this cast a one-time payment of $60 will allow you to d- dictate to us whatever anime series or hit WB show that rhymes with Schmevin, Schmevin, Schmevin you want. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Andrew Henderson. I'm Todd. This fall, I'll graduate from Bergenworth College with my MBA, a Master of Blood Administration, Thomas. <laughs> I'm Kyle. This spring's hottest style is the Cloak of Eyeballs, Harper. <laughs> And I'm Matt. The band Perry is taking a creative break this year to make room for the gun Perry. Cole. Uh, <laughs> saying, thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. <laughs>